Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It is Tuesday, August 3rd, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 415. It's August. I am Austin. Joining me today is Patrick. August Rob. Austin? Is that, August your, Austin. is that your new... It's the same... Uh, that comes from the same place. Austin is like a is like a variation on Augustine, which is yeah. from Augustus. So yeah. it's all August. It's, it's my month, baby. It's all August. That's right. It's all Patrick Klepik. That's Ricardo Contreras. Rob Zachney's sitting patiently. <laughs> Another <laughs> child of August. Another child of August. Are you a Leo? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Fellow Leo. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the look Patrick's giving us is so good and so skeptical. Ah, my uh, internet's failing. Ah, I dropped out of the call. Uh, anyway, hi. How's everyone doing? How's August treating you so far? It's nice treating and cool well. in New York. Yeah, the heat broke here. Yeah. It's nice. It's like mid-70s. You can live was, like this every day. I was in a park yesterday and it was downright chilly at times so i was like oh, i feel like i need to go in somewhere the, yep. the wind is a little yep. much You're i was uh doing work at a cafe nearby today and i was mm. like this t-shirt is not warm enough mm. i should have i should have bundled up love to hear it god there'll be fall plenty of energy. time for fall I, like I, <laughs> what are you all in a rush for mm. i want a long mm. fall what's wrong yeah, some people want to summer, now, some but don't, long fall. don't move up winter at all. Leave winter. Patrick, I have great news for you about the future of our planet's climate. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and you you got to have a lot of great places to choose from if you like that good, warm, being baked feeling. Um, but for those of us who are all about that autumnal well, I'm so, chill. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't respect the class of this podcast. And <laughs> no, listen, some of us are just of the larger persuasion and the summer is a little hotter. When when you carry your own insulation, you know, and uh, it's going to get to be beautiful. The fall. Also, I just think fall is beautiful. I just think the leaves are great. great. I think the mood is right. People are people are like, oh, yeah, I got it's like it's like right in the middle zone. I just love it. It's not quite Christmas. You know what I mean? And it's not quite the summer. People people aren't like, oh, I'm I'm running all over the place to like do fun stuff in the summer. I are just kind of like in the vibe. And that's that's where I need to be. I like to do fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know me. Hang on, <laughs> I didn't What's not fun about Moondance? What's Moondance is fun. Ben Morrison less fun today, but Moondance. But Moondance, Rob. I think this is the only uh, Moon Van Morrison Moondance reference a human has made on a podcast <laughs> ever. Do Unless the there's some sort of up. 
And I, I guess unless there is some sort of Van Morrison podcast specifically. So that exists. That's probably. Probably, probably exists. His body uh, of work would support it. Look, right. What uh, what about apple picking? I don't know. That's a fall activity, right? Yeah. There's fall That's activities. Fun. Yeah, That's... I thought you were a Halloween guy. Yeah, well, Halloween. I fun. am. Let's I, get the fall. I can I can I multitudes <laughs> can enjoy both. I enjoy the summer. It's just I've had the summer. Where I'm good now. Like I've had it. If we could, if we could make August the beginning of the fall. See? No more. No more. All done. Yeah, no see, more. I, I, like a huge part of it for me is is like specific to. I mean, I just like summer, like swimming, like that. Like sure. I like a lot of the summer sure. activities. But it's also like Delta, less things mm-hmm. to do outside. Like all of that. Like you know, two children. Like all of that is like great. Like can't wait to be indoors just a little bit more than I already sure. am. <laughs> well, the thing is, fall. You okay? You need to understand that I treat fall like summer. I'm outside in sandals until December. Like well, me too. <laughs> I, I got, look, like sandal season lasts until, yeah, until there's snow a health falls, advisory maybe. that says yeah. for the for for specifically uh, Austin Walker and Patrick Puppick, <laughs> yeah. sandal season Fucking is stop it. it was over months ago. You look now, stupid. Your toesies are gonna get hurt. Yeah, that's. I the love thing. going to a restaurant in October and being like, uh, "Can we just like seat ourselves outside?" Outside, and the waist, yes. And like the wait staff being like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'll be outside." <laughs> and MK's like, "We will." And I'm like, "Here oh, we go." No. <laughs> that's the thing is, I do if it's if it's a crisp fall day or evening. It could be 50 degrees. I'll be outside. You know what? If it gets down to 49, 48, that's okay. It's good for the bones. Austin's going to come up with reasons to podcast from, like, the forest. Oh, with Rob. Autumn sleeping, dream. too. Autumn sleeping. Autumn sleeping. Just... Uh. <laughs> Is that a Van Morrison song, too? Autumn <laughs> yeah. sleeping? Almost yeah. certainly by now. <laughs> Featuring moon dance. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, well, how's everyone's weekends been? I feel like this is the this energy makes me feel like we've all had okay weekends at least. Yeah. Now I'm just hearing like a little harmonica riff (laughs) and like when that autumn sleeping come around. I don't know how to pivot off of this. I don't know how to move. We gotta find. We gotta pay a band. Uh, We need a. I think what I'm I'm hearing is that we need like sort of like late show in studio band for the next. Is that (laughs) Waypoint Plus? Did Waypoint Plus get us a band? Is that on the (laughs) budget? No. God. I mean, well, you know, if we start doing more live shows, okay, more live shows, we get a live band. Can we at least get guitar lessons for Rob? Uh, it's not too late. I don't. Yeah, my 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 fourth and fifth fingers don't really grip the frets real well. Yeah, they're a little too fat. About myself, yeah, Yeah, right. Uh huh. People who are listening to this episode by itself without listening to reason. Oh yeah, like why was Patrick so mean to Rob's fingers out of nowhere? (laughs) There is a context. (laughs) I promise. And this is not mean. I promise. Or it's only a mean. It's mean, but from other people. Yes, people running music departments for elementary schools. Exactly. I haven't checked to see if we've gotten any follow ups on that. I'll have to do that today. Oh, we got follow ups. Did we? I feel like we're trending towards a a food bucket situation where we're unearthing a lot of uh, music related trauma from uh, authority figures. Look forward to that later this episode (laughs) uh, when when I open up that part of the email and see what what we can what we can dig up. Unless Rob already has them marked. Um. Can we talk about some video games? Can we can we dive in? I want to hear about this tank. Oh my god! Well, there's this thing uh, is, Patrick, you're about to hear like the hell let loose hour because we just yeah. did it. We just like that's we fine. Played, okay, we played a bunch yesterday in various okay. configurations. Rob and I played in the in the afternoon. Then I did some work. 
Then Rob Cotto and I played in the evening. Uh, and then almost um, like, you know, 30 minutes after that, another friend of ours, uh, Ren, uh, uh, installed the game and Ren hopped on with me and Cotto. Uh, and that was the tank. The final thing was the mm-hmm. tank. But I think just like having now played a lot of that game, not a lot of that game, because it's a first person shooter that people probably play for hundreds of hours. Right. But like I've now played whatever, eight hours of it. Uh, Rob probably played something more like 12. That game's good. That's a 24. It's a, 24. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I feel like I, I was like that would not have been twelve. Is not would not have been my guess. Right. I would have flipped those numbers. I assumed Rob had had like one really good like four or five hour day before, <laughs> but no, I guess not. I guess like Rob was in it. That game is really good, and I think like, mm-hmm. the specific thing that I want to that I would I want to call out before we tell Tank's story is just that there is like such a sense of there's just such a sense of place, um, uh, and a sense of like scale that's happening in that game that doesn't come from that that isn't just it's a big map and there's lots of people fighting which you get from a lot of big first person shooters but specifically the difference between like i'm a dude you're a dude in a tank there is a bomber overhead Uh, and the way that those things like scale up and up is just incredible um uh there was a moment when we were playing um uh it was the three of us playing and we were getting you and Kato, Rob, you and Kato were pinned down in a field from a sniper somewhere. Kato, you got shot oh, and pointed yes, out yes. that there was someone up on a windmill somewhere um, and the uh, who's sniping at us. Um, I passed by – I was walking past a, one of our tanks and I just like used the local chat to be like, hey, guys, um, if you get a second, could you – there's a sniper up in that windmill across that field. And like as soon as I said that, you know, at the same time I was saying that Rob was calling it up to command to like the big command chat, the voice chat that has all the different squad leaders, including the tank commander and everything else uh, that that was happening. And I was like, if you, if you don't believe me, you can check check in with command or whatever, confer with <laughs> command. And and then like, you know, I just kind of you kind of walk your separate way. The map is like big and you have to get places. So I'm not going to like stick by this tank. I'm going to move into that field and try to find where Rob and Kato are and reconnect to them and like just before i leave you know earshot basically the local on the local voice i hear the tank guy go like you know you said that the windmill and i was like yeah the windmill and it was like and this this like tank shelf goes right over my shoulder across the field and slams into the side (laughs) of that windmill and knocks out whatever the machine gunner nest that was up there for at least long enough it makes him move so we can move up a little bit closer um and like that's one small little thing where it's like okay like that whole sequence think about all the steps in that sequence in a battlefield game i'd be like oh there's a sniper and he's like boom but there was so much like distance between every step of that experience and that's kind of how it works um there's the the way that it makes the command tier people the squad leaders and then like the high commander and the tank commander and the recon uh spotter who's also in those those calls the way that like that layer of information giving and call making is like Mm -hmm instrumentalized as like that is a a necessary point of friction makes the game feel so big and also like the sense of just someone someone starts yelling out the name of of the soviet rockets or whatever that are about to fire and you just look up in the air and there's just these this incredible swarm of oh the contrails arcing across the sky is you have a time to think about it yeah that is yes like patrick it's hard for me not to just drop a bunch of clips i took into this chat but that's not fun do you know what i mean but (laughs) you know you gotta be there like i would not be able to enjoy the energy of those clips in the same way having not played it 
I, I think you would be able to get some of it, but but yes, but it's just I think that the the visual spectacle of bombing runs and rockets, the how small you feel in comparison mm-hmm. to them, is incredible. Um, uh, the thing that it reminds me the most of, well, it, it's pulling off the same thing is the the Jakob uh, Rosalski uh, uh, series that like Scythe and Iron Harvest are based on. I think it's called nineteen nineteen ten plus or nineteen. It's like something like that is the name of that series that has like, you know, the big mechs out in World War One. And like it's playing on that same stuff. It's playing on that sense of um the scale of of industrialized warfare against pastoral spaces. And that game like hits that in a way that's like, oh right, this is already pulling on something that already existed. This was this was an invention. This is obviously a creative thing, but what it's actually doing is pulling on something that's already true about these spaces. Um um, also, it's just wild. Go ahead, Kato. Uh, I was just gonna say, I think one thing that's important to the like scale and like how kind of s- slow that that chain of command that you just explained was, um, it has to do with the like the time to kill is both very fast and very slow. Like you only yeah. take one or two bullets. It the 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 like extra time is like honing in where those bullets are going. Right, like nothing is very accurate, and right. Getting winged, you can still be picked up by your medics, and you can heal yourself with bandages kind of, like, back up to quote-unquote full. Like, you only really have <laughs> two shots that, that you can get hit. Um, and a, a lot of it is, like, you know, you hear shit whizzing by, and you're trying to pin, like, where is that coming from, <laughs> right? Um, and, like, that extent, it's, like, an extended time to kill because, like, those shots are technically coming towards you, but they're all going to probably miss until like the one faded bullet or whatever. Right. But so like that extra time there is the time that you have to be communicating with your squad, the time you have to be communicating with commanders of like, okay, we we're getting information, like getting shot and not dying. Sometimes is really great information gathering. Yeah. I learned it's like, I, I was really great at recon by just going out and being like, all right, that came from like the Northwest direction. And it's like, yep. Oh, there's that, there's that. Uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, fucking, and that can be useful. Yeah. Um, I did. I did. I do want to say though, I did get that, get a kill in that first match, which I'm very proud of. Congrats. Uh, it took me a few. I I got lucky. I was clearing a trench because I was like, I swear I saw someone pop up, and I did like this. I did like a circle around the trench, being like, oh, I guess so. No one's here. And on my way back to complete the circle, there was like three people down the other end of the trench. All of a sudden, and I just want to say, like, the map variety is really something special too. Because yeah. like, so the map that you, the three of us played on, uh, Kursk. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the new maps. They just got to the Eastern Front in Hell Let Loose. At first, I think it was just basically Normandy uh, and um, like Hurtgen Forest. Uh, but the Kursk map is very much, it's, it's, it's based on the Battle of Kursk in 1943, uh, basically the last German offensive out east. It's a major tank battle, but it's also a trench warfare battle because uh, the Soviets dug in really heavily and were basically posted up and waiting uh, for the for the Germans. Uh, but the map sort of draws from that because it is a it is a map where tanks are absolutely critical to winning the battle because in the vast no man's land of the map it is just rolling uh, like wheat fields and tall grass it's just like meadows um, and so it looks flat from a distance but it's all full of like weird little <laughs> folds and wrinkles yeah. but then it's also what? cut through 
with like really dense trench networks and trench lines that sort of connect, but not always. There's like communications trenches running between them, but there's also places where you just have to sprint across open ground. Um, and where a lot of maps are a little bit like infantry dominant, where like squads can set up and support each other really easily. Kursk is kind of a place where you can spend a lot of time just like uh, running around trench lines, trying to clear them, uh, trying to figure out like which part of the prairie somebody is opening up on you from. Uh, mm-hmm. And Rob's raising is- all this because our tank, our tank commanders were maybe uh, <laughs> less than adept at what their jobs were. They they did shoot that that windmill for us. That was about the last good thing I can say about that tank that tank crew because yeah. they then would proceed to shoot me and Kato a couple times. Uh, mm. They laid back in the cut in a way that you just can't do on Dude, that. I was, I woke up still pissed about that. Uh, <laughs> Rob related to them, not in a, but not in a toxic way. Mm. He was defending me and Kato. They yeah. killed me and Kato, and Rob was our squad leader. And Rob got on comms and he said, "Hey, whoever's in that tank, whoever's in that that tank." Uh, I almost said the, the person's name because I remember the person's <laughs> name. I think because it was it was memorable. Yeah. Um. It wasn't ball sack, but it was a pun based on ball sack. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Welcome to the internet. Welcome to video games. Uh-huh. Uh. And Rob got on comms. And was like, "Hey, uh, who's in that? Is that is that ball sack? Hey, can you uh just watch your fire a little bit?" Uh, you, you hit two of my guys, uh, or three of my guys, whatever it was, and and I can't hear the other side of that conversation. It's a hundred percent like being on your on the phone or being in a room with your with your mom on the phone, like calling up another parent whose child has done something bad, and like I don't know what the other parent is saying, but I can hear Rob then say, "No, listen, watch your fucking fire," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Rob, that's right." <laughs> Thank so, you, Rob. Thank you, Squad Commander. I lost my shit on that guy because he was like, "Yeah, I saw, yeah, saw, I saw that. Uh, your guys stood up in my field of fire like animals." And first what? of all, that's not how. That's right. That's right. That's not how also, the thing work. is, yes, this is the thing. He hit you with direct shell fire, which means yeah. he's shooting the wrong fucking trench. And so, like, when I say you're fair, my guys, there was absolutely. People, we were fighting people, but that's that's infantry. That's infantry's that's job. Infantry job. Let, let us fight. <laughs> let us fight You're the in people. the trench. You're yes. my boy. Let me just fight my. Let me fight these guys. It's fine. Yeah, the thing the trench. Yeah. guns. The thing the tank needs to be doing is denying the space between where yes. the infantry are fighting and wherever the enemy is advancing from. And, and instead, that's not what they were doing. He just was putting direct fire on a friendly position yeah. and like killing the guys defending it. Then later, that same fucking tank crew rolled past us as we are we were the i say like i'm not usually this guy we were the only good squad in that game <laughs> we were the only good we our best. and this isn't yeah. even in this that is, game the numbers don't lie our numbers, yeah, numbers don't lie the numbers back us up and also it's not just me rob and kato we had three other great people with yeah. us was that dark wolf someone yeah shout uh, out to dark wolf <laughs> shout out to Breddy. shout outs to the third guy who was in our crew i forget the third rolled. person those guys, yeah shout outs to them See them back at the base. Yeah. Nico. But like, with a lot of Nico. Yeah, Nico. Yeah. yeah, it was Nico. <laughs> the point is, uh, so the reason like we were effective was because we identified like, hey, nobody on our team ever stays on a point we cap. And so we're just going to stay back and defend while our team tries to get a shit together. And they never really could. So we amassed like crazy points uh, just by being the only people focusing on an objective. But there was a point where 
we were holding one of the key, uh, like we were, we were holding, we were playing defense on a point, and that same tank crew rolls past, and a different dude, but it was the tank commander, just gets on local comms, uh, where basically you're hollering at people as you go by, and is like, hey, uh, there's a bunch of infantry uh, down the road behind us, uh, like anti-tank and shit, um, and then just kept cruising on, but didn't advance to the front, just yeah. advanced a little ways further and stopped, and. So I go back to check out what's 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 back there. It is a ton of infantry. Would have been helpful for the tank to turn around and engage it, but instead our squad is getting bum rushed uh, mm-hmm. from behind with like two squads like rushing up on us, uh, and we end up like getting pushed back. And I think we ended up losing that point. Yeah, we uh, basically because we were defending. We're one squad. We were already defending on like two two from two different directions. Once we were getting hit from behind, it was it's like over. we got six people. Like we yeah. can only put so many guns in one place. Uh, yeah, but those tanks never like. At well, I don't first, understand the it tanks has to advance that night. I don't understand it because I don't think it would be fun to play that way. That night, Kato Ren and I played. We did a whole map by ourselves in which I got to be squad lead. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it, Rob. There's so much chatter in your ear constantly from the higher ups, the other squad leaders, etc. Um, they're just like, con- oh, actually, we should, we should, I want to pause. I want to pause and just talk about what the different type of squad leaders exist out Are there. Are we going to talk about our guy? We're going to talk about our guy because I want to like compare and contrast. I think I'm the lowest rank, which is like, I kind of know how this game works. You know, I, I know, I know to build an outpost. I'm maybe too aggressive with where I put my outposts. Um, that's to me. That's on the lowest rank possible. I think Rob, you're very high up on that list. I know that you're as high up as the guy who we played with, who I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was not in his squad, so I couldn't tell you how good he is as a leader per se, but I did hear him on squad comms and his voice sounded like this. And he was always asking for command to drop a six, seven in tile G seven or whatever. And I was like, he knows exactly what this he's talking every, yeah, I'm going to move up and put some anti, some anti armor on that, on that, uh, on that point. And I'm like, all right, you're the you've been doing this your whole life, sir. Yeah, sir, yes, sir. He might be the best. <laughs> but Rob, you're up there. You're you're communicating the right amount of information to the squad. You're not over you're not telling us too much shit. You're telling us, hey, there's a bombing run coming. Let's get inside. Or you're telling us, hey, there everyone's about to push this point. Or hey, we're all gonna like airdrop, you know, behind enemy lines. Or asking there's questions. That's the other thing is like, yes. hey, can I didn't hear that last call. Can you confirm can you ping that can location? You conf- can you exactly? You are the upward chain of information yes. as well. Like s- squad members can ping stuff. Yes. But it only goes on the team-wide tactical map if a squad leader maps it. So, like, right. you become a big part of that. Chain. So you're like, hey, oh, yeah, are we saw people in a house across that field, and you send that up or you get confirmation. Great. We also played with someone who was very eager, but maybe not. Robert shaking was, his head. The dude was... The dude was like, I'm not going to name Eddie the guy's name, but the, ga- the name basically. was basically like, like Gamer Man 101. Like, that was basically <laughs> it. Like, a guy gets on comms and is like, Hello, <laughs> I'm your squad leader. Uh, now what? I am rank four, but I am also very bad. Don't be fooled by my rank. I'm not very good at this game, but I think we're going to have a good time anyway. I will do my best. But if you have any issues uh, during the game, just feel free to let me know. I won't be offended. Uh, anyway, I think we should just start advancing and and uh, see what's what's up ahead. 
Um, that's what I think we'll do. Um, but mostly I think we'll all just have a good time. And it was like it kept going like that, yeah, where, where it was like you're about to take take off on a plane. Like it was like the pre-flight, <laughs> like, and if you have any uh, issues or uh, you know needs during the, comments. the plane, hit the please hit the uh, please hit the light switch above you or something like that. Um, he was he meant well, and I appreciate him setting up that way. But when it was like minute thirteen, and the dude is still in that mode of just. All right, I'm moving into a trench, and I'm all right. There's there's nothing in the trench, and it's like okay, well, you didn't have to tell me that nothing was there. Like that, I tell me if something is there, and also again, he's just like not doing the command thing. He was doing the like I'm a YouTuber and I have to narrate everything I do thing. It was well, and we also were very patient with him because he was very polite and like very diffident. But there was a point where I just started to lose it on him because <laughs> I was a so I was a machine gunner. Uh, machine gunner needs a place to set up and machine gunner doesn't have optics so you can hit people from a long ways away but you kind of need other people to like spot targets for you um and because you put down so much suppression um it's useful to shoot at targets even if you can't really hit them yeah but this dude would just be narrating oh dear i think there's there's germans off to the right (laughs) we're all in a shooter and so right is not a useful term but he's like germans off to the right i think they're by that the they're by that house uh on the hill <laughs> there are multiple hills with multiple houses in this game and so just the entire game he's making calls like that which and is fine I, Rob, i'm not saying by the way i want to yeah. say apologies for my misuse probably on that map we played together of cardinal directions i was going off map layout i never saw the yes. Yes. i did not yes you boring. didn't notice the compass rose i didn't see the compass at all yeah. the map until, is not or- <laughs> many of the maps <sighs> are not oriented north pointing up and so you have to check on the map i uh what the cardinal directions are relative I to the tactical did not map. see so, that entire match i was making calls oh, it's based great. on map orientation that explains why after you left and kind of noticed that in my next match with him he felt he sounded apologetic i was like yeah. it's fine What's wrong? No, like you just I noticed like, it immediately. Oh, I, I didn't realize the whole last game. The, the thing is, Kato, you were also pinging extensively, so that kind yeah. of mooted it. Like I was always <laughs> able to just bring up the map and say, like, okay, here's where Kato is pointing. So I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to worry about what like compass direction he was calling out because I can just see it. Also, you're not the squad leader. That expectation isn't there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like officers are trained in map reading. <laughs> uh, right for officers. Yeah, right. the, anyway. uh, the the foot infantry uh certainly or we don't expect that of them. Uh but the funny anyway, with that guy was I did find I so I was playing a medic and with a medic you end up t- almost like temporarily embedded in other squads oh, because yeah. you'll just see like four dudes get hurt at once and you're like ah shit, I got to go over there and res those guys. And then when you're over there you can kind of like chat it up a little bit. I mean it's. I gotta say, nothing has been a bigger boost to my ego as a video game player than having someone sing to me, "There goes my hero." Watch him as he goes as I go through <laughs> and, and revive an entire squad. Um, uh, the people are very thankful to, for getting res because it means they don't have to run back from a spawn point, basically. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so that was that was always very good. But and one of them, the one of the guys I came across was, uh, Waxer. Uh, uh, probably named for the clone from Clone Wars. Hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, hey, and he had previously been in our squad. Um, the, the chatty Cathy squad. The chatty, the chatty, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, how's this new squad treating you? And he goes, it's better. And I go, <laughs> oh, yeah? Is it 
Is it uh, is it quieter? He's much quieter. And I was like, all right, <laughs> have a good one, buddy. I'll so, be over here. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, okay, squad leader, uh, I found a uh, I, I found a garrison over here. Uh, I need your help uh, clearing out. And he's like, well, can you clear it out yourself? Maybe just toss a grenade uh, in there. Machine gunners don't carry grenades. Just mm -hmm. small detail. Like, can't, <laughs> can't do, do it, that. Dude. And I'm like, but also, I'm seeing waves of dude res dudes respawning like 40 yeah. feet Garrisons in front of me. Garrisons are spawn points. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I am like basically running that gun constantly, reloading, hoping I can like re up before they spawn mm -hmm. a new wave. And I'm like, no, you need to get over here and help out. And could you please mark it on the map? And he's like, I'm trying not to clutter the map. Uh, I don't want to be one of those squad leaders who uh, marks too much information down. I don't want to cre can create uh, information overload for anyone. Uh, so I've been trying to be judicious about that. Uh, but of course, I do hear you. And uh, I can I can try to be better about that in the future. And I'm like, great. But in the meantime, could you bring the squad over here? this person no, wasn't couldn't. like role-playing a, a too polite like this no um, because he was also he was also the guy who was like i can't wait until they add the uk to this game later this year <laughs> and i was like yeah okay yeah your your black adder ass is gonna do great at it like that's, you're just waiting for that like oh thank god we've got the uh <laughs> we've got the 1940 british pack where they just get rolled God. Oh. Um, so the point of all that is, I, I have to tell you that I try to be a tank commander, um, and and a tank commander is like a squad leader in two big ways. One is they're in all the the squad level or the the, the you know full side level communications. They're listening to all the other squad leaders. Um, they need to talk to everybody because it's like. Hey, we saw a tank. We need your help fighting this tank over here, and it's, you just don't know where enemy in, enemy armor is otherwise. Um, and the second thing is a tank commander can't do shit in the tank. They have, I mean, they have the most important thing, but also the least important thing. They have the periscope. So they can quickly look all around the tank. Um, I believe, Kata, you were driving. Yeah. Was, which meant managing not only directions, but also gear shifts, right? <laughs> yes. You got it. Listen, I I'm not going to drag yeah. you for you. You understood the premise. Of Apparently, the it, gear shifts thing is fairly new. Oh, um, interesting. Well, Kata it used to be way easier to drive a tank, but they actually made mm. driving much more demanding, in part for realism, but also to kind of force the tank to become a team effort. Right. Yeah. That makes that sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then Ren was on the, the gun, and that gun is slow. The gun takes a long time to rotate around, uh -huh. not, whereas the periscope can whip around. Um, and so we, you know, we're playing pretty well. We're like, we get up to the front. Um, we get some intel on where our tank is. We kind of back up and like, oh, shit, can we cross through this field? Can we go over this little wall? <laughs> and and I'm like a little skeptical that we can do it, but we get over it. And then, we, you know, we get the call. It's like, oh, there's a tank right in front of you. And like, awesome, cool. And we like spin around. We go down this little alley and then we find the tank and we just knock it the fuck out. Someone else shoots it. I want to say it was with like a bazooka, like an anti-tank uh, infantry weapon. And then we follow up and hit it immediately after with the kill shot. And that felt incredible. I think we, I don't know that I've popped that hard in yeah. a multiplayer video game because it feels like three people working to achieve a goal yeah. and then you do it. It's like Sea of Thieves level. You, sh you shot down a ship. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we pulled this off. And so we're like, okay, but we blew up a tank right in front of us in such a way that's like, <laughs> now can we get around it? And I'm like, okay, well, we can go over it a little bit. And while they're trying to navigate that, I'm trying to listen into the to the squad comms. 
and or the team comms and someone says, OK, we got another we got another tank out in this field here to the south. Uh, do you guys think you can get to the, get there? And I'm it's like, yeah. And uh, get over that first tank, get around the corner. I mean, this is like, you know, beautiful. I forget what map this was, but, you know, beautiful European countryside, you know, jutting out after a town. And in my mind, based on looking at the map, the tank was going to be out in a field to our left as we passed it. And we would be able to, like, maybe line up a shot and get it. But it was right there. <laughs> it was right there. And I'm like, all right, the tank's coming up on the left. Get ready. Oh, my God. The tank is right here. All right. Turn left. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And, Kato, your instinct. Uh, my I instinct understand was, your instinct. Look, I thought when I, when it came here, okay. As the driver, you have a very limited point of view. It is basically it's like just, you're a mail slot. Yes, exactly. It, you're looking just straight ahead. You have basically no peripheral. I catch sight of the tank in the field to our left when it's like at a 45 degree angle to us, right? And I see it and it's pointing slightly away. Now, I don't think it's moving. It looks still. It was not still. So I thought, perfect. I just park up here. Ren will turn the turret and fucking shoot them. And it'll be great. Turns out that thing was going. That that tank was fucking moving. And they did the right thing because I didn't realize how slow the, tur- the, the oh, fucking yeah. gun moves. They turned into us. They had enough space and to maneuver just- and just... Dead like put the barrel into the side <laughs> yeah. of our into the side of our armor and pulled the fucking trigger. Oh. I it was I was oh. this was like as I close to a hit Z, downshifted hit Z. parked us basically. Like I slammed the parked us. You parked us <laughs> next to an enemy. And tank. then you said and the second you said keep going, I was starting to upshift and I upshifted too many times and it just wouldn't <sighs> start moving. And I'm just, done. And I'm done. It's so good and like. That just won't happen in a game in which I'm. You're. This is supposed to happen in a real way, right? Like right. that friction between our different perspectives is supposed to happen, um, and so like that stuff is great. Uh, it's so good, and then there's also just stuff that's just like every once every three hours something truly gruesome happens on screen. Oh my for god. Me. Um, we had someone, I think it's this, I think it's, I, I'm, we're now, I'm, we have to end this, this, this. I have one more thing, but go. But, but I just want to, I'm saying we have to end this immediately because otherwise I'm going to end up just dropping clips into here over and over again. Cause I have so many clips of interesting, fun things happening. Um, but sometimes uh, something just incredibly gruesome will happen. Uh, I, I, the first time that we played together, Rob, there was a bit inside of a house where we were, um, uh, like just hold up and, and there were, you know, people shooting in through the windows and someone yelled, this is my first kill, I think. Someone yelled like, oh, there's one coming around the left. And I like, peeked out as someone ran right in front of me and I like, pulled the trigger in a like, hurried, scared state and got him and he fell over. And then, uh, someone else like who was like just to my right and like down in a prone position was like, did you see that? I shot right through. And then he got killed in the way that like the most this is just ripped from a World War Two movie thing Um, and stuff like that happens just often enough to where it justifies all of the local voice comms. Uh, There are some there are some uh, uh, kind of very um, brutal death stuff in terms of like, hey, an explosion will tear a body apart. You mostly don't see it. You mostly aren't 
that's just like not what your perspective on the game is. It's not Fallout 4 or Fallout 3. It's not doing the like kill cam thing. So you're not seeing that stuff. But sometimes you're running forward with your crew and someone yells out, oh, there's another guy with uh, up up the way. And then you like come to a T-junction and <sighs> two halves of a body just slide past you as after an explosion goes <laughs> oh out. Oh, my it just God. Takes yeah. you out. It's just the most like Ugh! like and, and I love you. that this game can do that, you know? Yeah, the fucked up part was being on the other, being one of those bodies going in the other direction and just seeing my camera view fly into the air for an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> so here's my last story for Hallelujah for today. Yes. So I was in a tank uh, the other day. Um, great game. We had a great driver commander. Uh, we amassed, like, I think by the time that game ended, I amassed like 84 kills on infantry and like 14 vehicle kills it was just a ridiculous game team lost uh but my stats were through the roof uh <laughs> so gonna get a very good contract next season but um we get in this battle with we're we're american side we're in a uh sherman a a, a jumbo sherman heavier armor but not a real big gun um and we run across a uh like german panther that's been lying in wait and dude it's the fucking tank battle from fury where like we are opening fire and at this point like uh i am in there like calling out like driver stop reverse and like we're trying to dodge dodge fire um meanwhile he's giving me tips he's like try to hit him in the turret ring and we're just getting pounded it's terrifying you're taking incoming rounds and you hear just like these loud metallic like bangs as the the uh hull gets rocked uh but we are just like pounding away at each other and we are starting to we're 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 starting to this is turning against us uh and so uh drivers like put smoke in that son of a bitch's eyes like literally the line from fury <laughs> we shoot smoke in front of him and so we're screened off from we reverse he hops out and because it's a video game he starts like fast repairing our tank uh -huh. we hop in and then we re-engage. We're trying to get around the flank of this guy. He's anticipated that move. We run into each other headlong again. And I'm like, driver, we're closing fast. Because uh, we are just now basically jousting with tanks. And like our turrets are spinning toward each other, just opening fire. Watching this thing get bigger and bigger in the frame. I zoom out all the way. And no, we're just like at point blank. And so now we're basically muzzle to muzzle opening up on each other. And still we're not getting through. And I'm like... I don't know what we're we're just going to shoot until we run out of ammo or are destroyed. Our driver reverses. Turns so we take dead aim on the center of this panther <laughs> and guns the engine. And we hit that thing so hard that we upend it like a like an offensive lineman grabbing hold of a like pancaking a de de defensive lineman this thing is pushed onto its belly i'm looking through the gun cam and like we have now shoved this thing up and i'm staring into the underside of the model and the lens is actually clipping through <laughs> but historically accurate the under armor is weak in this game and so, like, even though none of this makes sense, I just start opening fire into the bottom of this tank, uh, and then it just, like, explodes on top of us. Uh, and it's, like, panther corpse, like, just sort of slides out of the battlefield. And I have a squad of infantry that has been standing, like, in a hedgerow nearby. Uh, one of them, like, gets in a little comms and is like, 
that is the craziest tank battle I have seen in this game. I've uh, <laughs> been playing since the start of early access. Wow. Um, it was, I, I don't know if that was a bug or if he knew you could do that with these tanks, but it was utterly absurd and it was awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Tanks are good fun. Game. It's a good game. Tanks are fun. Tanks are fun. I really want to try Recon Sniper. I know, Kato, you're, you're itching for a gun that has oh a scope God, on it. God, please give me a fucking so. scope. <laughs> the officer class gets binoculars and I felt invincible. I was like, I can see real right. far. This is <laughs> can't, I can't do it. Far. I can't no, but I can see real far. That's that's like a superpower. Um all right. Hell let loose. That's hell let loose. Uh that went long enough. I feel like we should, we take, should take a break. We'll take a break and come back uh and, and talk about other things. BRB. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Who's that guy on What's Up With That? The What's Up With That sketch who never gets to talk? I feel like Patrick is that guy today. The the, 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 the great irony is that I'll be fucking gone. You Hell can let loose um, in uh, 24 hours. Uh 24 hours. Um, Are we back? Is that us being back? That's us being back. Patrick, The Ascent is out. Uh, We both played it. I think you got further in it than I did. I, I played through the opening bit and then a little bit past that. Um, what do you think? I, I, I would also just the context of the context of what I said before we started was this feels like a very polarized, polarizing game. I've seen people really high on it and seen people be like, why does anyone like this game? Yeah, the, the Ascent is a, a top down shooter. It's on Game Pass. So if you've got that, it's you know useful that you can just download it, see if you like it, bounce off it or get into it and, and move yeah. on. And I think it's on PC. And I just forget that sometimes like Game Pass is not. You know, that can mean PC and Xbox, but I believe this one is on on both. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a top down shooter, has some light RPG mechanics, but it's more shooter than RPG. Um, and I, I I I wasn't tracking too much of what this game was ahead of time, other than every time a trailer would pop up. It was like, damn, that looks pretty. Um, and it remains the thing that like sticks out the game. This game has. I don't know who I don't know if I saw on Twitter or is in a review, but someone described uh, uh, the Ascent as having an aggressive aesthetic, um, which I agree with, um, which is both like a, a compliment in the sense that, I mean, it, it, it you know, <laughs> this game is is gorgeous to look at. You know, it's, you know, has like all these different moving pieces in this, you know, broken down, futuristic, cyberpunky sort of world. It's 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 set on. It's been like a week and change since I've played the start of this game, but basically you're you're I think it's on a different planet in which that's right. uh there are like these different like you know, it's a mega corp that runs it. There are these different like mini corps underneath it. Basically, like the mega corp goes silent, um, is uh like financially abandoned, and the only way that this place functions is with the mega corp's guidance. And suddenly all like the little mini bosses that, you know, are working for the corp under it 
are left to try and make this planet function. Um, and the planet, I believe, also seems to function on tricked slavery, which is that it advertises, come here for a new start, you'll sign a contract, you'll work your way out of it, and you'll end up with a new life. And basically, you come here and like get shoved underground, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you signed a contract, yeah, you've got a new life. Here's a wrench and a gun. Yeah, Go. but you're also like a slave and will probably die and never be able to buy out your, your contract. Um, right. And that sort of, sort of like sets up the world in which you, for whatever reason, are like the one person, not in like a, uh, uh, you are the one like imbued with superpowers as much as just you just happen to be the person at the right time who like get, starts getting connected with various folks in power um, and start unraveling like what's going on. Why did this uh, – the game, like the game's mythology, has like different levels of AI in which only certain kinds are sentient. And I believe, like, part of the core mystery of this game is like, what's up? Okay, right. The the humans went away, or whoever. The there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of alien alien races, and stuff, yeah. yeah, species in in this game. Um, but like the AI, like our buddy, should like still be here, uh, and it's not talking, and so that's part of like the core mystery. But like, I, I see some confusion leading up to the release. Of the ascent was like, is this an action game? Is it an RPG? Is it a shooter? Um, and I didn't know really either, and was just like the the, the beauty of a game a Game Pass game is like, well, I don't know, I'll just find out when it's out, and then if I don't like it, it's like not the end of of the world. Right. Um, and. Yeah, like so, I think that I think that goes to explain a little bit of the polarized reaction is is getting in and realizing, oh, this is what this game is, which is like primarily like an action top down shooter, like I said, with light RPG mechanics. But it is unclear to me at this point how much of that shit even mad matters. I mean, you have armor, you have weapons that have stats, um, but like you're putting I have a lot points of, into you're putting some points into, you're putting points into a lot of different systems yeah. that I'm not entirely sure. How many? It feels like, like you shoot thing, th- thing die. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but the game does like very specific and granular, and it's like, hey, uh, like one of the ones I've dumped a lot of points into is because I often you, you start the game with like some assault rifles, so you're just like pelting bullets. It's like, all right, critical hit rate is like one of the main stats. I was like, that seems useful, and I can see the percentage going up. Like it shows like, oh, I'm going from three to five percent, like five to six and a half percent. So I put a bunch of points into that, but. Like, I don't know, like everything else, like, I don't know, I guess I'll put a little bit here, a little bit there. And I've played four or five hours, so I feel like, like I've gotten over the initial hump. And I just don't know how much any of that matters, especially because the way the game is structured is that if you're following the critical path, the the, the enemies will be appropriately leveled based on what, uh you, you know, what the game expects you to be at. But if you take like a left turn, just the same types of enemies will just suddenly be like level 18 and you're level right. seven and just one sh- they will one shot you. And it's it's an artificial barrier, but one that is not particularly communicated very well uh, by the game. And so I would just say like, it, it's re- the game is really rough around, around the edges. And then it's going to come down to how much does the combat sort of like do for you like that? The game, this game lives or dies not by the light RPG not by the loot that dropped, but right. like, are you enjoying the core combat? And I will say I am really enjoying the core combat almost because it's kind of eccentrically weird in a couple of ways. So the, the ascent is, uh, you know, at first glance, it seems like a normal top down shooter. where like, you know, left, left stick is moving, right stick is aiming and you can shoot. Um, but then where it gets weird is, uh, specifically like its cover system in which it is not a sticky cover system where you are going up behind things and like, you know, sh- you know, uh, kind of shuffling up against the wall. Uh, you 
hide behind with the B button. And then if you hold, so right trigger is your shoot, left trigger aims your weapon and like, or like, like lifts it up. So like, you're kind of like doing a headshot. And Mm -hmm. so when you're behind cover, you're using B to hide. And if you just hold the the right stick to aim and then fire, you're not going to do anything. You actually need to physically lift the gun up in order to fire um, over over a cover shot. And um, because you don't stick to the cover, it just kind of creates some sort of controller wonkiness, but it also makes the game um, really limber and fast. And like what you end up doing is like you'll you'll get into a sequence where you have a bunch of enemies coming at you Um you just kind of like roll, you know, you could do a, a roll as like one of your main, you know, uh, maneuvers. You, you'll roll behind, you know, uh, a giant piece of metal, you know, like mm-hmm. stick out, use the, uh, the, 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 the stagger fire, which, uh, is like exceptionally useful for like bosses where you basically like a boss is stumbling at you and you're filling a stagger meter. And then like that gives you an opportunity to either, you know, catch your breath, spritz away, get, you know, pelt them with, with bullets. But like, it's a lot of maneuvering and managing, uh, stamina bars, health bars. You don't have either. I mean, you, you do, I think. I think you can be staggered. Um, it hasn't, like, proven to be a big part yeah. of, like, the game flow for me um, in the hours that, I, that I've played. Um, but I just find the guns to be, like, super satisfying, like, the movement to be really satisfying. And I like... I like that the kind of weirdness of the the cover mechanics and I like the stagger mechanic. It just makes it kind of a different game to sort of play where I'll see a big dude coming at me, stagger him, roll out of the way. Even, even the grenade stuff is odd where you click the left stick to, so like wherever you're aiming, then you click the left stick to toss the grenade, which will frequently then kinds of makes it a little difficult to control the character because as you're, as you're pushing it, you may move them in a different direction than you intended. I often find that, you know, the, the grain, grenade itself functions fine because it's it's mapped to um, the right analog stick. So the fact that you get a little squiggly with the character is not the end of the world. But, you know, for example, one of the main ones you uh, grenades you get up front is this thing called the shockwave, um, which stuns enemies. And it literally either go off by itself or you can click the stick a second time right. to like trigger it from a distance. Um, and it's just a little squirrely. It's like a little weird. I don't know, like that's kind of the whole game, but I've I have found it. Like the, the world building is bad. Like the writing is not good. I I don't really care what's going on, but I find the aggressive aesthetic to be really cool to look at. Um, and I'm I'm enjoying the combat quite a bit. I just wish it ramped up faster in terms of like what you had access to. It and, like, starts I mean, off so slow, yes. and like all the stuff that you just talked about in terms of like, oh, you can like hold the L button to lift the gun up. Like, well, you don't fight anyone tall enough to do that to right. for the first hour of the game. Yep. So, which is like, that's a long period of time to be like, why can I lift my gun and shoot over these enemies? What is happening? And like, why would you do it? Right. right. And, exactly. uh, and, 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 you know, and the, the other, you know, a big and you don't start getting like the augments and stuff like that until like. I still only have one. I'm like really? four hours okay. in the game. I, 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 wow. well, part of the problem was I expected them to be sold at a certain vendor. And I it see. turns out they were being sold at a different vendor. They're also expensive. You're, you're not really going to be able to afford yeah. one. Until a couple hours in. But I think it's such a critical mistake by the game. I think Death's Door, you know, a game I finished over the weekend, also has this issue in which there are so many pieces that I like that I just wish were forwarded to the player much faster because it ends up hiding a game that has a lot more going on. Like a game like this, even if it's not going to be a a kind of a loot shooter in which you're dealing with dozens and dozens of pieces of armor and weapon variants, um, because this is not what this is. Like you basically... There are certain guns that drop, and once you have it, you can upgrade that gun's level, but you right. can't customize, like, 
the clip and the scope and like no, nothing like that is happening. You once you get the gun, you have the gun and then you are raising like its mark level to make it do make the numbers, you know, the DPS go up and it's right, whatever right. whatever other stats it has. And uh, and you have these things called augments, which uh, are these like superpowers, basically. Like the one the game gives you off the start is uh, just a really fucking <laughs> cool looking punch. It is just a one hit kill on like the vast majority of uh, non boss type enemies. And like that meter fills over over time. And there's also drops that fill it a little bit faster. And this what this game should have done was like you should have access to four or five of these like in the first hour. Yeah, that's exactly. And there are twenty augments in this game. And like, you know what? And you know what you get. Give me if a choice you don't of three. Buy any in the first couple hours? The one, right, which frequently right. seems like the most boring. Which would be fine if uh, you can have two augments equipped at once. And like there's like, hey, I'm, this one hit punch is kind of boring from like a mechanical standpoint. Yeah. But damn, it's really useful. I'm gonna keep this as like my second one, and then. I you know I have no idea what the other ones even do, but I presume they are more interesting than uh, purely. Just. I've seen some wild shit from watching gameplay, and and I'm looking at the wiki now. And yeah, there's a bunch of stuff here that's incredibly cool. You know, if you want to deploy a bunch of spider bots uh, to help fight alongside of you, uh, yeah, or or do, do like a stomp that launches people into the air and puts them into stasis. Uh, like there's all sorts that. of that's yeah, all this stuff seems way cooler to me than. Then the pu- the punch is fine. It's kind of a fun punch, but it's not. And, and, it, may, and it makes sense for uh, you know. the point of the game that you start in which uh, like the, the punch as being like the first augment they give you. It's uncomplicated. You hit the thing that's in front of you. Yeah. It, it, it uh, You know, if the meter fills up, throw the punch again. All that makes sense. But I, I really wish the game forwarded more of that. And then it becomes just very easy because at least in the early game, my guess is this game, the way it's communicating currency is that. It seems like the first eight hours, you're not going to have enough money for what you want. And then at a certain right. point, you'll just have all the money and currency will, will you know, uh, not be an issue. But if that if that's the way they're ramping up the player in terms of access to the different materials and objects and, and whatever you can you can buy. I just wish I, I just wish the game allowed you to have different play styles earlier than earlier. it does. That, um, so that's the that's the thing for me is I keep every time I play this game, I'm like. I'm like you, like you, I like the aggressive kind of grimy aesthetic, you know, quite a bit. But every time I play it, I go, I never finished Ruiner. Ruiner also has a grimy aesthetic, cyberpunk like aesthetic that does not promise the sort of RPG build stuff. It's just an it, action it's game. It's just an action game. And you get more tools and more toys very early in that game. So why don't we just go back to Ruiner? What am I doing? I kept meaning um, to play that game. I, it's, I you would like hurt. if you like yeah. this, I think you would like Ruiner quite a bit because you yeah. get a bunch of stuff to play without the gate in that game. Um and it's it's a little more it's a little more g- glitchy in terms of its aesthetic. Like it, it, it plays around with the aesthetic even further than, than this. And I think that's a fine trade. If what I'm getting from the ascent is instead a long tail thing where I'm interested in my build and I'm deciding do I want to put points into the critical hit percentage chance or I just want to raise my overall like standard DPS. Do I want to get more HP? Like that sort of decision making is why I want an action RPG is like, Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'll be a little bit different than Patrick's build. Yeah. You know, and, Patrick's I, and I just, and, and I think on HP and I'm focusing on damage or whatever, you know, yeah, and I, I get like sense of that from here i mean i i get you know if i if i if i squint at you know and, and use the information from your wikipedia i get uh-huh. the sense that about halfway through the game maybe not from a stat level the stats right. just sort of seem like i don't know put a couple in each arbitrarily as you like just sort of progress through the game and and maybe there'll be a couple that you decide like actually they're not very useful for for how i, I play but largely it just seems like that stuff could just upgrade on its own and would be just fine right. um but I do imagine you would start to get 
you know, like I, I do now have, I have access to uh, like six or seven different weapons. Like right. I have this really right. cool long range, a uh, hand cannon, like a long range pistol that I use uh, not quite as a sniper rifle because you're often, most of the combat of this game is short and medium range. Um, but um, it only packs like five shots, but it has fire damage and can shoot really far away. And so like my new approach is like, I, I see the enemies, I, I pop them from a distance. Right. So even if they're more powerful, I'm doing that flame damage um, instead of reloading. Cause the reloading takes a long time, which you can put points into. And my guess is that would actually be a useful one to, to have pumped up, um, especially if you're using like low ammo weapon types. Right. And then I switch over to the assault rifle. Like, pump them full and then like throw a grenade. Like I have a flow and I'm liking it. And I, and I do really think it's going to come down to, uh, c- can you get far enough into the game yeah. to start to get some variety? Um, and then it, it, even getting to that point is going to require the combat clicking enough that you're going to want to get to that point. Um, and for like me, it has. And I think I will probably like the game quite a bit from here. It's got oh, so many weird quirks. Like, you know, you come to the different city, the different like sort of like cities or like kind of like hub centers and mm-hmm. like pick up all these side quests like cool. All right. But then like every side quest you pick up is like 15 levels higher than where you are. Like the, they aren't planted based on the character's progress. They're just they're just here. Right. And then in maybe 15 hours, you could try and do the side quest. It's also very Witcher. That's very like, you know, yeah, like- and also like the game does a lot of gating of areas, um, both from a. Um, the player has like this, uh, this hacking ability that they can use to open chests and doors. Um, you're upgrading that by finding, uh, you know, stuff in the world. But then there's also things that are just gated through plot. And so like there was a, there was a, uh, a, a side quest I was trying to do this morning while we were waiting to start recording. And it was just became clear. Oh, like, I just can't go, I can't go through this door and it's not one I can hack. It's it's a it's a plot hack and I haven't made it to that point. And the game doesn't stop me from being able to try or warn me. And the fast travel in this game is not great. No. You can either spend a ton of money relative to what you have early in the game for a taxi that'll bring you from point A to point B or there's a subway system. But it's it is really the kind of thing where I pull up the map and it's like, I, just let me fast travel. Like, just let me even even to the subway points, like just cool yeah. I understand it must be kind of neat to like walk up to the subway platform, hit X and get on it. But, you know, it'd be cooler. It's just like wherever I am, just like let me hit that subway button and go there. So this game is made by a really tiny team. Like, I think it's like less than 20 people. Like it's I think it's truly punching above its its weight. It seems like a game that I think if you were to ask like yeah. the kind of studio that made it, I think sure. you, you you would give it uh, a larger team. Um than it is so that part is kind of charming but yeah it has it put it has a lot of obstacles that are understandably irritating and i think will throw off a fair number of people that um maybe should go play a game like ruiner instead but i mean that's also the you know, that is part of the, the the beauty of game pass you know consequences yeah. be damned on, on game development is like i feel like a game like this games that are six seven out of tens but that um would be a really hard sell as like a 30 or $40 game. I think this game is likely to find an audience like a me. That's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Acknowledge all the problems with it. And I think that's going to mean a significant number of people aren't going to want to come into this, but it's cool that like another audience can find it. And like the barrier to discovering the discovery of it is, is a lot lower. And so it really is the perfect sort of game pass game. Because I think you can, maybe you read enough about it and it's like, that's better than the steam system of 
buy it you know yeah. refund you know refund it i mean i'm glad all that stuff exists like that's useful i wish consoles had refund systems so that you didn't have to subscribe to a game pass to to try a, a game um uh but um yeah so yeah i'm i'm, I'm liking it cool. uh it, it the game is aggressive from 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 its aesthetic to to its gameplay but i'm i'm enjoying it quite i'm gonna try to put some more bit. time into it i like it's a genre i like and i i really just wish it came out the gate a little bit stronger for sure you know yeah i'll be i'll be curious you know maybe something they can punch up a little bit with uh patches um yeah, but i do yeah. suspect the kind of the game is the game um you know i i've seen the developers on different forums and saying like they're they're working on things but you know i I don't expect this game to significantly change, uh, you know, over time. It'll be more, you know, the glitch. Like I had an instance this morning where the pathfinding uh, for a quest where uh, it's like, hey, the the maps themselves are not very memorable. So you're spending a lot of time and they're huge. So you're spending a lot of time just like going from random area to random area, just following the red glitchy arrow to right, and, right, uh, right. to take you there. And that's fine. Um, it's not fine, fine, but like it works. Um, and then... Like the quest I was trying to do this morning, like it just the red arrow just goes into a wall. Like, and that's I tried to like switch it, like go to another quest, see if I could get it to like remap it, and it just wasn't it wasn't working. So yeah. I'll just move on to to the next main one and come back. But yeah, that's the ascent. I, I think it either will click and it'll click pretty hard, or you look at it and go, I don't understand why people are playing this game. And that so I, I see I see the critical reaction to the game, and I just happen to fall on 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 one end of it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, Connor, are you keeping up with, uh, your, your Ace Attorneying? Yeah. Yeah. Many, slowly. Updates from the realm of, of, I, I don't even know. Is that England at this point? Did you make it to England? Not yet. I'm still on a boat. Okay. I'm stuck on a boat. Um, but I did get to one of the newer, uh, mechanics in this game where there's kind of a little mini trial. So most of the trials in the Phoenix Wright series, you're looking for contradictions mm. in someone's witness testimony presenting evidence to uh you know say that there's a contradiction there and usually that was kept to just when you get to the trial section yeah now they're throwing in that sort of um contradiction finding in the investigation phase because you have herlock Holmes who does not make good observations right so he basically there's this like um uh what is it called it's like it has like a very flashy like title screen. It's like the great deduction. And then mm-hmm. uh, Herlock Shlomes goes through a bunch of uh, statements. They're all pretty obviously wrong, but you have to have some form, some piece of evidence to contradict and like figure out what is actually going on in the scene so that you get further evidence down the line. This is the thing where he's like, aha, I see because you have a be- because they have a beard. Clearly they're Russian or whatever. <laughs> right. And you're like, OK, well, that's you've taken a huge leap of logic. Yeah. Let me undermine that leap of logic. Yes, because you're only getting it half right. Right. Basically. Exactly. Um, and that bit is really fun. It's very, uh, you know, like like most of the comedy in the series, it's very playful and over the top. And you do this. Uh, it gets called a dance. You do this like very funny, like twirling about the room is how they describe Harlock Sholmes making these deductions. But then you kind of mm-hmm. join him in it, in his corrections, like on the screen, like just the presentation of it is very, it's very cute. You're all like, you end up back to back, like making like little snapping uh, poses, like pointing things out. Um, it's fun. It's really, it's really neat that they got another way to make the investigations pass. Like usually you look at a room and you're just like, 
Uh, all right. I have to like look at every point of interest on the thing and I'll get information and maybe I'll present some of this to a, a character who's sitting here. But there yeah. it was there, you rarely had to apart from like examining a thing and turning it around. You rarely had to like do much in investigations to kind of get more information. It was just kind of like gathering time, you know, Um, and this is just like a fun way to like. All right, like um, we're tossing in a little, and it's obviously much shorter than a trial. Uh, it's only like f- uh four four different statements that you have to contradict. Um, but yeah, it's neat, and I'm excited to get further in and see how they expand this. The it feels like this has a much longer. This is this has had a much longer on ramp than any of the other games because there's so many different mechanics like. Usually by the second case, you're kind of out of tutorial mode uh, in these mm-hmm. games. But for this one, it's like I'm still getting like new mechanics kind of added on instead of now we have the mechanics in place. Let's up the difficulty of the the puzzling of the of the deduction of the, you know, of the logic that you're that you're doing. So it's still pretty, you know, pretty easy for the moment, but. I'm curious to see where it heads from here. They're also very like, yeah, it's like, yeah, like there's five chapters in this game and I'm like part, like halfway through chapter two. Um, And I mean, I've played, I don't know how many hours. I don't know. It just feels very long. Like, I feel like I'm not fully in the game yet because I'm still being tutorialized on things, which is a a weird thing for this type of game because it's, you know, very narrative focused. I feel like, generally like after they explained how trials worked that in like the first case you're good to go normally um there's like mm-hmm. one or two investigation things they introduce later on but you're like it feels like you're rolling uh and this one's taking a little bit longer to get to that that moment but um i think it'll be yeah. good awesome well keep us up keep us updated yeah. um uh cut or cut Rob, I know that you also have now checked out some Chernobylite. Yeah. Um, I might want to get into that more on Thursday because I think you wanna, yeah. I, here's what I, here's what I will say. Uh, this game very self-consciously is presenting itself as uh, in the stalker tradition. Um, and in terms of its aesthetic and the references it's drawing from, it's it's hitting all the uh, the highlights of Chernobyl exclusion zone uh, landmarks. Uh, but the thing that is different about it, and I'm really not sure how I feel about it yet, is, is it's very much kind of a um, almost a run based game where you have a central hub location. And then each day you choose what mission you're going to undertake and you try to gather resources so you can craft new shit and take care of your NPC crew that is helping you. Uh, on on this mission, uh, you are a scientist who has some connection to the uh, to the nuclear power plant, and you are on this weird quest. You you are trying to find your lost love, Tatiana. Yeah. Um, and it is unclear it's whether very Silent Hill out the gate, except Tatiana is like a constant presence in your ear in a way. But like the yeah. opening is like, let's go to our special place, you know, where the nuke went off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought we were going to a special little town. Why does it have to be the heart of a, a, a cursed nuclear power plant, Tatiana? Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of the thing is, it's unclear whether your character is just, uh, 
whether he really is on the right track here, because there are magical happenings at the in the opening of the game. Truly the, magical. This magic yes. material Chernobylite yeah. has like allowed uh, wormholes to open up, and there are now dimensions that are that are accessible that were not before. Uh, but also, there's a lot of people who think your character uh, Igor is just out of his mind with grief and is oh. on a completely doomed and reckless quest to resurrect someone who's been dead for years. Um, and in the context of that, you are trying to put a crew together to help you on your quest and you have to yeah. both care, house them, feed them, send them on missions to gather resources on their own while you run around and do stalker shit, sneaking around and basically gathering up a lot of crafting materials, uh, so you can advance the story. And I'm not sure what I think of that loop yet. And that's kind of the thing. Like so far, I think it's a little bit flat. Um, it's a lot of like scan the environment Assassin's Creed style and just like, yeah, like a ping go- that like, yeah, I just just hoover up all the yep. herbs and chemicals and fuel <laughs> you got, buddy. I don't know. It scratches it, it for me. It feels a lot like a single player. I think I said this before, the like a single player Tarkov in which I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go out on a run and see what I bring back and. Uh, I, I'm enjoying that loop so far, but I'm still I think you and I are probably both very early uh, in, in that yeah. in that loop at this point. Um, yeah. Have you gotten to the first big choice in the game uh, there? The what to do about the the Duga? Um, no, I'm you, like literally okay. right before we podcasted. I was coming up on that. OK, you should do that yep. mission because there's a you should do that mission. And before you make your decision, you should we should Talk, coordinate and do up. different decisions yeah. is what we should do. All right. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, because it's like a big choice, you know, in a, in a kind of fun way. So. Oh, also, I will say that an endearing thing. First thing you have to do in the game is decide, do you just want to hear the dialogue when you're talking to characters or to build empathy? Do you want to see this? Fa- and literally the game is like, like to build <laughs> empathy. Would it help you if we showed you this photo <laughs> of what the character would look like? If they were not wearing their stalker gear yeah. and were just a video game character model. <laughs> and they're like, the choice is yours. <laughs> I was like, sure, I want to see what the characters look like. I regret that because I'm pretty <laughs> sure they took two pictures of Kelly O'Coin from Billions <laughs> and uh, the Americans and many other things. And like in one, they put a uh, like Bane mask on him. Yeah. And in the other... They just put like a stalker hood on him and we're like, this is your pal, uh, Oliver. Uh, he's your he's your top stalker, bro. And it's like it's just a static little picture where yeah, it's it's, it's like it's like a little popsicle stick character where it's like to help you connect to these characters. <laughs> what about this little popsicle stick? man? What's so funny is you get to not just choose. Do you see them or not? You get to choose how often you see them. You could choose like all the time. Just show me him all the time. You could choose not at all. Or you can choose like. When it's important, when you, when it's like the real <laughs> shit, we're really getting into it. We're really cutting it off. Show me his face, then. <laughs> Weird. It's so That's, good, huh? It's actually it's, it's really very endearing. It doesn't have any emo- emotion, right? It's like a still, completely still image. It's a still photo. Great. There are Love there it. are characters you meet who don't have on masks who will like emote and talk at you. Sure, um, they're in the world, but but yes, during what your little weird, missions and runs, it's what a very weird funny. choice. That's because it feels like them being kind of anonymized by the mask feels like it's right for the setting. And, you know, it's, like it's very much. Yeah. Like, you know, what was wrong with Stalker? 
everyone was wearing those masks. <laughs> How, I mean, obviously they have to wear the masks because because it's the exclusion zone. But what if you could see the face under the mask? Yeah. What if you could find? I just wonder what person. led them to that yeah. that choice, right? right? Like there must have been. You have like a character designer who's like, I love making all this armor and stuff, but like, what do the people look like? You know, sure. I want to. What's your What's your crew? And then how does it well, get written that way? I mean, like, I think hmm. part of it really is this is a game about building a heist team, like to the degree that your yeah. your base has a has a whiteboard on that says heist heist crew. <laughs> Good, which means oh, already great. this guy's living the dream. He's living the <laughs> fucking dream. Just yeah. hanging with your boys in the exclusion zone, uh, going on heists. Uh, oh, yeah. To live You're that life. You're looking to up a crew, like a, a large crew that all have different specialties. And so I get that you're like, at some point in that process, you're like, all right, let's make, okay, this person wears like a whole ghillie suit all the time, but he has like a big beard under there. So you're going to give me the beard guy, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I, I get that that's probably part of it. And then you have those designs and you're like, well, what are we going to do? Not put these designs in Yeah, the how game? do you convey the different personalities yeah, of, exactly. the, of the characters? Exactly. I don't know, get Steven Soderbergh on it. Um, <laughs> give, give, give me my Chernobyl uh, heist film. See, this is <laughs> he already he already uh, nails Solaris. I think he can. Fuck. I think he's ready to take on Stalker, take on Stalker uh, yeah. as a whimsical heist movie. Oh boy, these uh, yeah, these are some these of the portraits. people you recruit. You recruit here. All uh, right, I'm a big fan of Mikhail, who just like just. Has there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people grade. kind of looking over their shoulder a little bit. Like, why is everyone turn? It's tur- like turning it's dynamic. To the, it gives you turning little- to the town portrait and like you know artists like ah huh? You see? Ah. You see? Um, yeah, we should both try to play some more of this this week and go deep on it once Patrick's gone and can't stop us from doing this. I downloaded this game too, so I'll probably all right. Join let's you. go Chernobyl Light One Hundred and One. <laughs> we have a different one one in mind. It's not the next one is not Chernobylite, but yeah. shout out to Chernobylite. Um, all right, let's let's I think we should just jump into the question bucket with our remaining time. I feel like we have a lot a lot of stuff to hit on here. Gaming at vice.com is the address. Before we get into the band stuff, I do want to raise this one from Christopher, uh, who wrote in to add on to our we had someone write in who was like, Hey, how do I get into roguelikes? I'm so like uh, you know, you know, uh 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 like failure i feel bad when i die in video games how do i not feel so bad when that happens do you have any tips and i think we all got very like big picture philosophical like level two on it you know what i mean like we jumped to like we jumped to big answers instead of sticking in the realm of just like hey here's a very fundamental thing and so christopher writes hello waypoint crew I'm writing in response to the recent question bucket uh, asker who could play roguelikes or souls-likes because of their anxiety over losing progress. I don't know if, if it will help, but over the past few years, I have addressed this very thing in my own life. For me, the thing that helped me was to redefine what progress meant. A lot of times, progress for me doesn't have to be an actual end to a level or a challenge. Sometimes it can just mean knowledge. This probably seems esoteric, so let me give examples. I love challenging platformers, so it makes sense that I would eventually find myself getting into super uh, difficult Super Mario World ROM hacks, uh, called within the community Kaizo Hacks. These games require extremely specific inputs from players to perform a series of tricks to, ach- to achieve progress. A Kaizo level t- could take 30 to 45 seconds to play from beginning to end, but it will likely take multiple hours to grind out how to beat it. It can seem really frustrating to figure out a trick, only to instantly die on the next trick and have to go back to the beginning. What I realized, though, is that each time I nailed that first trick, I got better and better at it. Eventually, I could hit two, two or three tricks in a row without really thinking about it. For me, earning this knowledge uh, became progress. It was easy then to translate 
translate this into Dark Souls games. Yes, I may die on a boss multiple times, but each time I died, I learned a little bit more about what I needed to do to win, and that was enough. Additionally, this philosophy allowed me to finally get into a genre of games I always wanted to play, sim slash strategy games. In these games, it's not unusual to spend 20 or 30 hours in one game, only to lose it all at the end game. In subsequent games, though, I find myself able to achieve the same points uh, faster because I've learned more about game mechanics. This is also now progress to me. Anyway, sorry for the long letter. This is an important issue to me and what I hope uh, I think affects more people than anyone realizes. I hope my answer can help some of them figure it all out. Yeah, I think like that's uh, that's almost like a it's almost like a a given for I think the way we we think about this stuff to the degree that we don't even we didn't even raise it during that conversation. But that's like the, that's the whole thing, right? You're making small progress all the time. Uh, I think a lot about how at the end of all of our bad Kerbal runs, when I was streaming Kerbal or doing Kerbal videos with Giant Bomb, Alex would stop and say like, "Okay." What did we learn? Every time a rocket blew up, what did we learn? Uh, and you can do that in these games, and because you almost always learn something. I mean, that, that was that, that was part of the whole reason. Uh, like, I, I streamed like the, the start of my journey with Spelunky to what I, I you know considered the end was like right. I streamed every day. I didn't play it um, unless I was streaming. And the whole the whole like, idea behind that was like I want you to see the arc play right. out in real time with me. And like Spelunky is a game in which. You can do like, all right, what did we learn? Um, and it's like, oh, I didn't realize this object had this interaction with this object. So even though we only made it to the first area of the jungle, well, we know that now and we can add that to the list of things that we know about this game. And that is progress, even if it doesn't make, you know, I haven't made it to the to the caves um, on that run. And like that is that is it's a different mode of thinking about a game, especially because so many video games are, for understandable reasons, I enjoy these part about games too, like, they track it for you. Like, hey, even in a game in which progress is not necessarily linear in a standard fashion, we are going to categorize, we're going to find other ways to market for you so you get the feeling yeah. of progress. And, I mean, they technically exist in a game like Spelunky where when you kill a new enemy, it gets added to your encyclopedia. But, like, that quickly is no longer, like, at a certain point, that is not, you know, you've killed that enemy before. It's not going to get added to the encyclopedia again. And actually what you're learning is the physics routines of, of an area and things like that. So it's just a different way of not progress in a video game. But I didn't I thought I didn't like that stuff until games like Dark Souls and Spelunky specifically t turned it into like the type of game that actually, you know, is, is, is now one of my favorites. Um, but it, it required like a different mode of, of thinking to get there. Yeah. Uh, next one here from Alex. Still not in the music bucket stuff yet. This is this is the gifts bucket. Mm. Dear Waypoint crew, the recent question bucket discussion between the Nespresso and Kato's inability to lie to family about bad <laughs> gifts has brought back a memory that I wanted to share with y'all. November, circa 1998. Sometime around Thanksgiving, my family were spending some time with my grandma, and she asked my siblings and I, uh, for, uh, a 14-year-old, what we wanted for Christmas, American doll clothes for my sister, a basketball goal for my brother, and having just seen a TV ad for it during the break of what I assumed uh, was a 13 days of 007 marathon, I jokingly said that I wanted a Tickle Me Elmo. We all had a good laugh, and then I, got, and then I gave my real wish, Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo 64. I moved on. Joke forgotten. Fast forward to Christmas morning, and my whole family, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody is in my grandmother's living room, opening presents one at a time. The expectation being that we would show the gift to everyone and thank the gift giver before moving on to the next person. 
the American girl clothes and the basketball goal were there among the piles of discarded wrapping paper. My turn comes up. My whole family is watching. I'm practically vibrating in excitement, knowing I'm moments away from retrieving the master sword and saving Hyrule. I said, wait a minute. I know what N64 game boxes look like. And even the wrapping paper, this gift is decidedly not N64 game size. So, uh, pretty hard to fake excitement about taking about a talking stuffed animal for four-year-olds when you've been talking video games with your cool cousin all morning uh, i ended up having to apologize to my grandma for blurting out what the hell is this in front of everyone i kept that tickle me elmo on my shelf for years as a reminder to either specifically ask for the things i wanted in life or to keep my mouth shut thanks for oh. listening oh that's what you get wow. Should have made a joke oh my uh uh my my mom when uh I think Mortal. I think it was Mortal Kombat One. Mortal Kombat One came out for 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 Super Nintendo, and you know we, we were very into Mortal Kombat, and we'd pre-ordered it at Funko Land. We'd we'd done the whole thing. Came home from school, and we're just like you know, my mom had told me like I will go and pick up the pre-order. To, you know, it'll be here when you get home. Have your friends come over. Like, and we got home, and we're like, okay, where is it? And she's like, it's sold out. Like I, something got goofed up with the pre-order. Oh. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really sorry. And just, I mean, just, cr- I mean, crushed. I mean, just destroyed. And she let it linger for like a long minute. And she's like, you know, could you get me something out of the, out of the cabinet? And yeah, uh, over the cabinet. There's the fucking <laughs> yeah. nailed it. I was like, oh, got him. I love you, mom. That rules. I'm gonna do that to my kids constantly. That's great. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> that was a good joke. Uh, uh, all right. I think it's time to it's time to jump into the. Do, do, do. Oh, do, 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 okay. Oh wow! Look who's mastered the recorder between uh, this episode and the last. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Can I, um, uh, uh, what, uh, Hell Let Loose, that's the game called, right? Can I play the, can I play an instrument? Can I be like, uh, you can join the military band. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> if you get on squad comms, uh, people will love if you're just like tootling away. I will the say, clarion it would be call. funny. Yeah, the clarion, it would be very fun. Uh, I see you have been doing the New York Times Cross Republic. Uh, the, uh, the, it would be funny to roll through like up to the front. With local voice comms on, blaring "Careless Whisper," that would be incredible. <laughs> Just hearing it coming over the hill. What, what's that noise? Oh, that's that's Baker Squad's tune. That's, they're here. Oh shit! Baker Street begins to play. Actually, yeah. uh, oh shit! Um, Baker's coming. All right, that's Baker's music. <laughs> we've, got, we've got approximately a billion people wrote in about this from various perspectives. All right, uh, we have more people who, who wrote in and said, "Hey, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to play this." And my teacher said my face was weird. And then oh. years later, they found out that I had extra bones <laughs> in my face that I had what? to get surgi- lips. surgically removed. Said one person. What? Uh, right. So we got, we got like, yeah, okay. Uh, we have one. We had one person write in and say, "I'm going to summarize the the kind of these ones." This one from Flint. Flint said basically, in fourth grade, I chose trumpet. Uh, and and uh, okay, actually, I should set up Flint. Flint grew up with a xyl a toy xylophone with hollow metal tubes, and they discovered that they could get the tubes to make the sounds with with their mouth instead of the mallet. Mm. And so it was basically each one was a trumpet that they could play that had one note. <laughs> And so when they got to band, they were ready. And instead of doing the thing where you were disallowed from joining a thing, their elementary school band uh, and middle school band 
were just wildly unbalanced. So wow. you would just have a bunch yeah. of trumpeters. Yeah. And, yeah. and the teachers would just say, play quieter to get different degrees out of the different instruments. Yeah. Like, okay, you just have to play quiet. Um anyway, so we do we did get some stuff in here from uh uh Danielle, by the way. Shout out to Danielle. Danielle was the person who wrote in uh to say that the that she had extra bones in, in, in her face that she learned about later. All right. Here's some stuff that is this is from um okay. Evan from North Dakota. I work at a music store chain that works directly with music teachers to rent instruments to families with students starting in band. Hmm. A lot of time, the band directors are very busy, so we often, so we are often brought in to set up instrument testing stations. I could go through how much of a nightmare it was trying to do these during COVID. We're in the Midwest, where much of, uh, where most of our schools uh, just tried to soldier through the whole thing. Uh, but I can tell, but I can tell you how we help band directors decide who gets to play what and why. Our branch lets the students try out all the instruments, and then they get to pick two or three as their favorite, write them down, and give the sheet to their band director who gets the final pick. Ultimately, we believe that anyone can play anything they want to. The parents and students are made aware that they may not get to play what they want. Sax and trumpet are still huge. Trombone is threatening uh, to be the most popular. And as always, there's still a gender divide between brass instruments for boys and woodwinds and flutes, uh, woodwinds like flute and clarinet for girls. I'm happy that this is how we decided to do it since it's open and honest. However, I have attached a document that some of our other store branches use as a guide to determine things like if a student has, quote, tuba playing lips <laughs> this document <laughs> made me and my co-workers very uncomfortable since we believe that anyone can play anything so we don't use this at all it was a big topic of debate within the company back in december obviously this may not be good podcast material wrong uh, and i would appreciate it if you didn't mention the company name on the document if you use it in the podcast i'm just happy to weigh in on something in my wheelhouse love the podcast and patrick no, please know that it's never too late to start saxophone. It's unbelievably easy for an adult to walk in and rent a saxophone, and I think he would have a great time. All right, I'm going to send this over. We'll Important thing about the sax, though, very loud. Incredible. Like, oh, kids just, love it. I have. A, I own a home. Yeah. yeah whatever the hell right. I want. Also, that's right. Volume that's control right. is one of the things that you should try to learn early. Because it's it'll make your embouchure much uh, much better. It's very hard to do. And people like kind By of what? Uh, You'll figure the, it out. <laughs> it's the 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 shape of your mouth basically around the. Uh, that's great. Yeah, but MK plays saxophone. Uh huh. There is no like. <laughs> oh man, it's just really unobtrusive. That's just. Wow, no, I mean there is a lower there is a lower uh, limit on certain <laughs> instruments for sure, but you can get softer. Let's just let's <laughs> also just make note of Rob. Can spend God knows how much money on his uh, his cyberpunk server architecture. Oh, but his partner <laughs> dares dares to play the saxophone. Well, we got oh, it's, it's honey, it's oh, too loud. Hold on, the Nas just sits there quietly, <laughs> serving up just hours of fun and entertainment. Oh, and uh-huh. like, does anyone know how that device works other than you in the world? <laughs> Look, oh I'm happy God. to teach. I'm like begging. I'm like, you know, you can. You don't have to use Spotify. And MK's like, Spotify just works. And I'm like, what do you mean? So does this universal remote. 
Jesus, that's, 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 that's that an LCD on it. it. Yeah. And believe me, that LCD makes it easier to use than other universal <laughs> remotes. You can just page through all the commands available in case they don't map onto the remote itself. You can just use this LCD to like scan through the exact code you want to enter. It's great. It's not hard at all. Recommend beginner instruments using three simple steps. One, view each student's teeth, chin, and lips. Two, Based on the student's physical features, assign three numbers using the examples below. Three, Ooh. use the corresponding numbers below to recommend an instrument. Teeth, one or two. One equals uneven, two equals, uh, sorry, one equals even, two equals uneven. Chin, three. Uh, large equals, uh, uh, sorry, three equals large, round or square, four equals pointed shape. Lips, five equals full or large, six equals medium, seven equals thin. And then under that, uh, there's there's images of li- there's images <laughs> of each of these things as if this physiognomy shit rules. Dude, this is wild. <laughs> I can't wait to get my brain trepanated so that I can play clarinet better. Uh, <laughs> then it's a list of like if you assigned one, three and five, that, that's trombone, euphonium or tuba. If you assigned two, four, five, that's clarinet or saxophone. If you need, if you got uneven, uneven teeth, it looks to me like you're playing clarinet. I guess if you even teeth, pointed chin, and thin lips, that's that's clarinet. Or sorry, medium lips, that's clarinet or flute. But otherwise, if you have uneven teeth, you're getting that clarinet recommended to you. <laughs> uh, helpful things to consider. There's a huge list here. Uh, st- flute, straight slash even teeth, no overbites. Capital N, capital O. No. Medium to full lips, bottom lip cushion, quote unquote. <laughs> God, clarinet, wow. feel slash make flat chin. What do you mean make flat chin? You can't just make a chin different. <laughs> Saxophone, same as clarinet, but can have uneven teeth. <laughs> Motherfucker, you put clarinet <laughs> in on all the uneven teeth. That doesn't add up to the, your own thing. Uh. Hmm. Anyway, this is a nightmare yeah. document. Well, it's it's Horrible. interesting because like I feel like why not be in a world where you let the kid try what they want and if it's not working out, think things like this where it's yeah. like, "Hey, actually the structure of your face and your jaw can influence or make things more challenging than they should be." Like you're you're playing this instrument on on hard yeah. mode and it's like if you want to keep trying, we'll find ways to try and mitigate it. But you are playing just – it's going to be harder for you just because that's the that's the way the the, the genetic, you know, the, dice dice roll for you. But, like, there's a way to, like, pitch that where it's, like, to explain to a kid why they're struggling as opposed to, nah, motherfucker, like, do not get, do not get near that thing. Some Your chin this, is too pointed for, for clarinet. Yeah. This feels so – this feels, like, too specific to be actually – like, this feels like they're considering, like, uh yeah, if you're gonna do this for the rest of your life, you can't have these th- features, or it's not gonna work on like the higher. You're like gonna, you, you're not gonna get into the symphony, the local like orchestra, the fucking Boston whatever. Uh, right. If like you Philharmonic or whatever, yeah, you know? you're not gonna get in if these are like. And it's like this is fucking elementary school, my guy. <laughs> like, yeah, uh-huh. you just let them try the thing they want to try. Like, figure. Oh god, like they're this kids. Is, yeah, exactly. You're not, like, like trying to map out their music career, right? Uh, right. That's what this yeah. feels like. It's like so specific that it feels like they're. It's also, less even about like it'll be hard for them to do. It's like oh, at higher levels, you're just not, not going to get a good sound out of that instrument because Who of X, Y, Z. 90% exactly. of these kids are well, never going to touch never. this again. Yeah. Like, also, um, it's just like, 
sorry, Django, only five fingers can can play the guitar. It's oh. like, like God. people will, I guarantee you, the what's going to be the controlling uh, factor in someone's like eventual like achievement in an instrument, probably not like their chin pointiness. Like some will figure out like, I'll learn how to accommodate this and make the, right. make the sound good. Right. Uh, one of my favorite ones on this list uh, is, is for trumpet, check three fingers of right hand for dexterity. And it's like, all right, the knife comes out. It's time to do the <laughs> knife game. We got to see. We got to see. Can you hold still? Can you move them? What's going on? Um, thank you. Thank you for writing oh. in and sharing us this terrible document. God. Congrats on be- having the only ethical music store uh, here because you just tell people to let them play their fucking instruments, you know? Yeah, that um, sounded great. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, sorry, I have, to, I've, I have too many things. Oh, here we go. A band director's thoughts on instrument try-ons. This ah, is from Paul. Please, Paul. Let's see what we got here from Paul. Love the pod. After hearing episode 413 and 414 of Waypoint Radio, I wanted to write in and offer some perspective from a former middle school band director and the current musical education or and a current music education graduate student about instrument try-ons and recruitment for band. Band and its role in uh, in instrumental uh, musical education is a research interest of mine, so I apologize in advance for the length of the email. When I did recruitment for my beginning bands, I wanted to create an experience like Kado described. Kado, can you remind us what your experience was like? It was it was essentially like everyone everyone tried every like mouthpiece okay. to see what it felt like. Uh, gotcha. And he did like the 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 teacher described what they would be doing. Like for example, percussion is like yeah, obviously you're hitting the big drum, you're but stuff. you're also gonna have yeah. to learn how to play marimbas, right? And, right. Uh, other like there's a variety of things you do and. So like gotcha. that was it. Yeah. Since we started band in fifth grade, I would invite all the fourth graders to visit one of my older bands who would prepare a presentation for the fourth grade. We would play a piece we knew well, and I would rec- and I would volu- uh, I would recruit volunteers from each instrument section to talk about their instrument and demonstrate what it sounds like. Typically, about two weeks after that recruitment concert, I would have instrument trials for the fourth graders so they could learn what instruments might be a good fit for them and what instruments might be more challenging. Every director I know thinks about what instruments the band needs. So we try to encourage kids to play certain instruments so that we can get a good balance of instruments. When considering the instrumentation of the band, I tried to focus on what students do well. So, for example, if somebody wanted to play percussion, but they are much better at trombone, I would emphasize how great they were on trombone, how the band needs good trombone players, etc. I do think being honest about what the band needs and what kids are good at is the best way to go about this. Overall, my philosophy was to let students play what they want. I just wanted to let them know what they could be good at and to consider some less popular options like the trombone if they showed some in- inclination towards it. Getting some different different uh, stories here on how important and popular the trombone is over here in <laughs> Paul's neck of the woods. Trombone, not popular. But in that past email, that previous email, the trombone was going through the roof. Where's, where's my, uh, you know, meme image of like the most popular uh, yes. <laughs> instruments in each state? Yeah. Band music these days is more flexible than it was in the past, so instrumentation is less critical. And I always felt it would have been uh, – I would have better retention if students actually got to choose what they play. 
Right. I play the I, yeah, exactly. I play the trumpet professionally. But when I was in school, it was suggested that I play baritone because I had thicker lips, which frustrated me to no end. I never used physical characteristics as a reason to play or not play an instrument unless there there were some limitations caused by youth, such as a fifth grader's hands being too small to reach the keys on a saxophone. Usually the suggestion in that case is to play cl- clarinet for a year, and then when they get better, bigger, they can switch to saxophone when their hands can reach the keys without strain. There's research from the 1980s that suggests physical characteristics make no difference in playing ability. <laughs> the only way to determine what instrument student, student can play is to have them try it and try it and find out. So, how are future music educators taught about recruitment these days? I'm happy to say, at least where I'm currently studying, they are taught to think about instrumentation, but that ultimately the students should choose what they want to play. The instrument try-ons is an opportunity for students to make an informed decision about what they want to play in band and orchestra, and it gives the director information they can use if they need to ask students to consider a second choice for the sake of the band's instrumentation. Hopefully that was a useful explanation. Best, Paul. I also like hear the, things the, are in a better place. Yeah, I also like yeah. the ranking yeah. one that was before that was like, hey, pick three yeah. that you want to play. Yeah. And then at least you even even if it's your third, it's the third one you picked, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. you've yeah. expressed totally. some agency over the process, even if even if like ultimately what they end up doing is like looking at all the numbers and being like, all right, how do we game this to like yeah. get yeah. it to where we want? Like quite literally, like a huge part of the reason. I acted like reacted so negatively was because of the way the information was like given to me. Like there's there are like you could still achieve the same result of like we think maybe this person will have a a better time with this, but the the result was I just didn't play music because fuck you. Um, (laughs) and so I like hearing things like that where it's you know they they find a way to kind of nudge people in other other directions in ways that make it feel like the person themselves is empowered to to do so because. Yeah, I mean that's it's that is like the irritation that stemmed out of me, and it sounds like it's also the thing that has stemmed out of a lot of people of a similar age was like just being told no or there's something wrong, imply that there's something wrong with you that was out of your control, like had nothing to do with your talent or effort. It was just, damn, you got yeah. some fat fingers, Patrick. Yeah, uh, I do want to read this last one here from 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 Ryan in Houston. This last this last school band. When I have one more general email after that, one more food bucket actually email after that, but. Ooh. Uh, Ryan writes in and says, hello, uh, hello all. Let me start by saying thank you for the podcast. It puts me in that good Friday mood as I close out the day and start the weekend. Uh, I hope you're, I hope a Tuesday pod does the same. <laughs> the discussion of telling kids what they should play an instrument, uh, other than their choice made me think back to my own middle school orchestra. We had a teacher try to get some students to switch, uh, but for the most part, we did not want to. For that year, we had 13 stand-up bass players, four cellos, maybe a dozen violas and around 20 violins. I turned out not to be very musically inclined, but I do recall parents talking about how overpowering the basses were <laughs> during our performances. I just love the idea of just 13 upright basses. <laughs> this is so much louder than – also, I don't know why I, I just jumped to the opening music from There Will Be Blood, but in my mind, that, that's what this <laughs> – these 15 year olds or whatever are doing um uh all right here's here's the question bucket one this comes in from dan dan says dear waypoint team i'm a big fan of all you do but especially food discussions here is my question have you ever taught yourself to like a food that you did not enjoy and how how did you do it for context i'm currently trying to do this with bananas for as long as i can remember i have had an aversion to bananas I remember in college struggling to even be at the same table when someone else ate a banana. But I also know that bananas are incredibly healthy. 
I decided to do this a few weeks ago as I became a parent, figuring that the fatigue of not sleeping would help me overcome the initial hesitancy. So for the first time ever, I bought bananas. First, I cut a small piece and put it into an ice cream shake and drank it hesitantly. Not a suitable approach if the goal is, is healthy. <laughs> My second <laughs> Also hiding it. Yeah. My second step has been to take my regular treat, granola and yogurt, and replace the yogurt with a blended combination of almond milk, banana, sweet potato, and peanut butter. I'd read about sweet potato lattes for inspiration. My partner, who has not bought a banana in the eight years we have lived together, thought this combination was disgusting. But upon trying it, three days of resistance, I agreed that it is good and confirmed that I put enough banana that it actually tastes like banana. So now I have been eating this banana-based yogurt alternative with my granola daily for over a week. I'm convinced that banana tastes all right. What should my next step be? I don't know that I'm ready to put a banana in my mouth. It's smell and texture thing. It's a smell and texture thing, too. Should I try a frozen one first? Am I good to stop here since I'm eating banana daily? Uh, but really, I want to know, have you taught yourself to like a food? If so, how? If not, uh, uh, how uh, would you and how would you do it? Thanks, Dan from Indiana. Why? Why do they have to take the next step? I feel like you've done. You've done like you're getting your banana. You're getting yeah. Your banana. That, like, like I don't. I like I at some your point potassium. Felt, right. I fe- I fell off milk. Like just drinking milk. Like <laughs> doesn't revolt me, but I don't enjoy doing it. But like understood that like hey, <laughs> don't walk away from milk. And so. I just, you know, try and get as much of that and put milk into different things and like, you know, work that back into to the diet. But like, I don't I don't beat myself up because I don't sit down in the morning and like have a tall glass of tall glass of uh, milk. milk. I feel like if you're de- if you're determined, you want to make that next step. I guess that's my question. Like if, if, mm-hmm. if you're if, if you want to do it, then I guess there are steps to doing it. But if, if all you want to yeah. do is accomplish the dietary uh, I would say the additive. first step is to is to probably just juice up how much banana is in that, make it more banana, or or right. go back to the to initial like a banana shake or a banana like like a, a heavy protein shake with a lot of banana in it to really make sure you like the taste, get that taste there, and then I would start cutting it up into little slices and having slicing, it in like yeah. a mixed fruit salad. Do you know what I mean? Where, a salad or oh, a, like a, a sandwich, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and jelly with sandwich bananas, and banana, like very common. Good. He already well, does the, the the peanut butter with it in this in this yogurt, so that's right. already a taste blend you like. Or maybe like drop a few little chunks into the yogurt, like small bits to kind of start introducing it alongside yeah, the, the texture a little bit. Yeah. That's smart. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think. There's lots of stuff I grew up. I grew up a very picky eater and have broadened out a ton over as an adult. I mean, that's just normal. Were you naturally picky great. or like I started as a picky it's eater a because, because my uh, mom who what, what she can make. Are, are great and I still enjoy the meals that she makes to mm. this day that are like her chicken parmesan is b- better than any chicken parmesan I have at, like at a restaurant <laughs> but her her range it is a self-admitted you know she she's like has apologized yes. she's like I'm sorry you that your your limited palate was the result of just like she had a handful of things she could make and was confident in she's a really picky eater herself Mm. And so that like made it difficult as a mom. No, like, I was making a lot of meals comparatively. Okay. No, right. my, my mom's a great cook. My my stepdad's a great cook. My stepmom, my you know my my dad, all my dad's my dad and his 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 wife, my uh, my stepmom on that side is is a uh, is also fantastic. So it's like plenty of food around. In fact, it was a lot of them being like, "Don't you want to try blank?" Why don't you want to try blank? And me being like, man, I don't like how it looks. I don't like how it. <laughs> That's a hard still, approach. Like yeah, I've been, you know, dude. like, you know, I, you know, I got to, you know, Jessica's on, is five, you know, pretty soon. And um, it's like so fascinating to have the the young kid who anything you put in their mouth, 
they're like that love it you're letting me right. usually you're telling me don't put things in my mouth i can put that in my mouth <laughs> and you know occasionally we'll you know uh like earlier like this week she like had an m&m and it wasn't sure put it in and she <laughs> when she eats candy um, the rare times that she does, like she laughs because she's almost like she pulled a, a she's like, ha ha, like, like well, look at this shit in my mouth. Whereas, <laughs> where, and, and like she, uh, she had like pizza for the first time last night. And my oldest who used to love pizza when she was younger, uh, like I've had, to, you have to like retrain it because the aesthetic stuff kicks in right. and kids get so wedded to the aesthetic of a thing. And then you have to find ways to. You, Cause you can't for, I mean, you can force it. You know, there are like parenting things are like, well, just, you know, this is what I made you and you're just going to go hungry. No other dinner. Yeah. And there are times where like we put our foot down in different ways, especially if it's just like, I want something else, but I will eat this. But, um, like la- <laughs> it was just this funny moment last night where she just sauce put her off and it was just the sauce that was like, that you could see. She was totally fine with the sauce as part of the pizza, but it was like a piece of the pizza where the sauce kind of came out the end. And like last night, she said, can I cut, can you cut it off? And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Whatever. As long as you eat the pizza, I'm, I'm fine. Um, and then out of nowhere, we're sitting and watching an episode of Bluey, high class Disney plus show. It's a BBC show, but really, really good kid show. Very good for adults. Um, and she looks at me and she goes, what about this sauce? I was like, oh, is there some on your plate? She's like, yeah. She's like, is it good? And I'm like, yeah, like it's great. And she goes, okay. Puts her finger in it, tastes it. She's like, wow, I like the sauce. I'm going to eat it more often. And I was like, okay. And then like, like then it's over. Like now, yep. like I don't have to cut the sauce off the, off the, off the pizza anymore. Um, but it's weird for me. It was green, the color green. So, yeah. uh, Spinach um, was a big one for me. Not, so salad not. stuff was it was like noodles, right? Or like oh, um, pesto, pesto sauce. Pesto um, sauces, yeah. Sure. I would tell like my, my wife, like I did. Oh, I just actually don't like pesto. And I know in my heart, in my heart of hearts, like that's not true. I don't know if I like or dislike pesto. I just don't like the look of it, and just avoid it and always get any other color sauce. And then, but she loves pesto and also loves like you know noodles made of like spinach and things like mm-hmm. that and like healthier mm-hmm. like noodle options and she would just over time just just like trick me into it like would just like things would be in there and she's like ha ha uh-huh. and I was like, oh, yeah, I, guess I, <laughs> I guess i do like pesto and so that took a, like a number of years but eventually now i'm like pro pro green noodle pro pesto but it was just sort of like incrementally over time and mm-hmm. then sometimes hiding things that she knew okay i won't fully change the meal i'll just put a little bit of something in here and he trusts me because he knows i'm a good cook and then I would come out the other end, like kind of hoodwinked into enjoying something that I I didn't realize I did. But that was that's like the biggest one other than just like growing up and like learning to like sushi because that was never part of my diet. Right. Yeah. Seafood like was a big one was, for me. Yeah. In general. And then but I, there are very little. You take me to any seafood restaurant and I would find a, a bevy of things that I absolutely adore at this point. So. Right. Uh, but that was a lot of just. A lot of I mean, for me, you know, it wasn't about being a good or bad cook. It was about um, it was about what I was exposed to and when uh, and then what I got sick of. I had like a period as a as a teenager. Where I was like, I don't want to eat pasta. Like I ate so much pasta when <laughs> like I was young, young, just like, you know, spaghetti, various forms of pasta dishes. 
three or four times a week you know like that was like the for, for some period there it was like constant and i just like got so sick of it that i stopped i like, really disliked it it was like an over and like very when i say pasta dishes what i'm talking about is like pasta and red sauce do you know what i mean and yeah. red sauce or whatever i was like i don't want to have it like it's overwhelming to me i just don't and then i stopped for like four or five years basically and then came back to it and of course i'm back on board pasta now and happy for <laughs> 16 years but like well uh, and there's also like there's so many meals that are just when you're growing up are just utility parents just need to serve this up and like that was pot like that was where pasta got sent in a lot of times for me where it's like look we got time to boil water (laughs) heat up some prego yeah and just dump that shit on this pasta that's dinner you don't like it tough um (laughs) And nicer, nicer uh, service at at the at my household, but, but <laughs> yeah, still. But yeah, but like for me, it was just like it was a very like, yep, that's 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 spaghetti and uh, meat sauce, spaghetti and tomato sauce. Uh, and now, like when that pops up on the menu, often it's uh, probably maybe just a little bit nicer, right? Like it's okay. Well, the sauce is fresh made, and. So it's going to be like same fundamental thing, but also now it's a little bit like, you know, dressed up and there's a little bit more uh, nuance to it. But I think so much of this is also just palette changing as well. Huge. It's huge. Uh, where just entire like something like olives, which I like, couldn't stand the smell of a deck like 15 gimme. years ago. Yeah, gimme. gimme. Please. Yeah. Dude, I'll like jar. Uh, you got to take them away from me. The. The big thing for me was and this is going to sound weird. Because this is pretty universally liked, mango, and the reason no, I being, can see it. I can see it because my family loved to eat them super fucking green, and I never understood oh. how you make like the fuck. It's huh. a thing. It's a thing. You if you prepare it a certain way, apparently it's good. I've been I've been Isn't told. Isn't it fibrous as hell? Huh? Isn't it super like tough when it's green? Yeah, it's much tougher. It's not as soft, and it's you know it's a little more. It's very tart. And, like, I just never liked it. And my whole family was, like, all about that green mango. Uh, And so for the longest time, I did not understand where the, like, flavoring of mango flavor shit tastes great. I was like, I love that. Can I get a mango that tastes like that? And it was never in our household when I was a kid. So I was like, I I just don't like real mango, I guess. Uh, And I never tried a mango until, like, not that long ago, like, like, four years ago. I was like, oh, wait. This is a ripe mango. This is fucking delicious. I understand now why people are like, mango's great. It's sweet. Oh, mango's actually sweet. Amazing. Uh, So I would say just also check back in. Check back in on especially those childhood ones. You know, just like try it. Every like other year or so, I like, I I get a little goat cheese. Let's just say put it on something. Just just give it a shot. Just in case. You know? Cheeses in general, I think, is a big one as you grow older in terms of just trying new cheeses and being like, yeah, this is all this is all real good. Right. Like I don't have to just like beers. Like four cheeses. I like beers. Yeah. I think alcohol in general is a (laughs) big also also moving, right? Like the 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 biggest thing that happened to the like getting into like f- fish and other things like I moved to San Francisco like I left the Midwest right. I left all the the same like friends I'd had my yep. entire life my family that I was always around like I built a new life uh, out there and with brand new people with totally different cultural someone says hey habits. do you want to go get curry if you've never had curry before you like, don't want to uh, be like no yeah yeah right <laughs> so you say yeah and you just kind of embrace it right it's just yeah. like okay I'll go find out if I 
you know, like or dislike this thing. And like that was like, so yeah, moving to San Francisco at 22 was like the, the big, the biggest possible pivot point in, in that was just being surrounded by different things. Well, I said, I think something else that changed too is um, I remember when it was like seafood night when I was growing up, the fish always smelled fishy. And that mm. is not a good sign. Like generally, like if it smells too much like fish, that's actually like it's a little past its prime. Not necessarily a deal breaker, but if it's really intense, uh, that is probably not the freshest fish in the world. That is just how seafood tasted like smelled when I was growing up. Like mm. when it when you got got it from the supermarket uh, in Indiana, like that's just kind of how it was. Um, when I go back now, it is kind of striking the degree to which the quality of the stuff you find at supermarkets is also just increased in the last like 15 20 years like it seems like they're aiming a little higher um and so in part i think because everyone has been trained by shit like cooking shows and such or uh food blogs to like know what to look for and expect and uh, supermarkets aim for that but it was much more bare bones i think when my dad was out like shopping at jewel osco uh you know in the 80s and 90s where it was just like Look, you want some perch? Here's some perch. It's reasonably fresh. Your family will love it. Put a lot of tartar sauce and lemon on it. They won't even notice uh, <laughs> anything's wrong. And now it's kind of like, oh, you want to make sushi at home? You can You right. can just you run totally down get. there and you can do that. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say, too. You know who gave some terrible food advice? The Ninja Turtles. No, pizza's good. I'm not, I'm not calling them out on that. But the whole, like... Anchovies are amazing. Anchovies, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, get behind the anchovy. And if you were, if you're scared of the anchovy, just give I'll it a tell you, I'm check still in. a little scared of the anchovy. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not there uh, yet. No. I would like to have my mind open to the anchovy. My father loves anchovies, and there's like a different. Here's a difference in like our when I talk about my time as a like broke you know student and like honestly that continued for well into my twenties. I lived on ramen and like eggs and pasta. And my dad has all of those things, and also he's he, when he tells me those the, his version of that, it's also anchovies. Mm. He would live on anchovies because they were cheap and added protein and like a yeah. little bit of like fish flavor, and a little bit of like that that you know meatier well, kick, not meaty, but you know what I mean. That umami, umami. like it's yeah. umami, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, like you just try, you just like mince up an anchovy and put it in the sauce, like mm. boom, mm. sorry, like a, like a mural here, pow, yeah, <laughs> you know, flavor. <laughs> Chef Rob is here, everybody. <laughs> Uh, and I've never, I don't, I don't, I, I should, I should try it. I should try How? it. I love Caesar, I should, Caesar dressing is my favorite salad dressing. Yeah, so yeah. like, I, I'm like, you know, I'm already, even though I say I'm like you, Austin, like, ah, like that is, has been a bridge too far my entire life. I'm, I'm actively almost on a daily basis. <laughs> basis what consuming if we, anchovies. what if we become anchovy boys? What if we try it? <laughs> okay. Mark that on. Right. Next, okay. next live, next live stream. Next live, you know, yeah. we're going to, I'll just be standing there like holding it in my hand. Like, come on out. Come uh-huh. on out. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Rob. Look, they're Bart. so good. Mm. How how different would you say anchovies are to like sardines? Are they basically the same thing? I always kind of assumed they they were very similar. They're, they're real similar. Okay. Um I would say the anchovy is like more concentrated. And I think that's mm. usually about what they like a lot of times when you're buying like anchovy fillets, they're being like intensely seasoned and uh, mm-hmm. like and salted. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I'm now storage. thinking my dad might might have been sardines and not anchovies. I can't remember which small fish can <laughs> which small canned fish. It okay, was. I, I love sardines, and they yeah, I would like college. The thing was get the sardines that were like uh, sitting in the tomato sauce. 
And then you'd mm. basically just open that and pour that over a, a rice dish and you mix in the sauce into the rice and it was fucking delicious. That was that was dinner, baby. <laughs> I don't know what my fucking problem is because it's fish. I eat bigger fish. Yeah. You don't even have to worry well, about maybe, the bones. Maybe in this you're just one. too much of an apex you just predator eat the bones, for little too. sardines. I don't eat the bones. See, you just made it worse, Kato. The, the, they're soft. They're kind of. The they're kind of. They're they're not spiny, See, right? They're well, like the bones are so know. small you no, don't even notice. Yeah. <sighs> That's what I'm saying. Is you don't have to worry. You can just you know down the whole no, thing. You can't can't say it, it sounds like you made you made Austin worry. I'm sorry. You got me off the train. I was so close. I was so ready. And then you were like, "Don't even worry. You don't even worry about the bones. Don't even worry about it." Yeah, there's a dog in that yard, but it don't bite. <laughs> like, all right. Often. I don't, you know? <laughs> uh, well, good episode. That's a podcast, I think. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We'll be back later this week. We have some streams happening this week. Also, Patrick's going to be out. Patrick's going to be out on uh, vacation, which is yeah. exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before, let me just close the loop because I won't remember it in, in two weeks when I'm back. But uh, yeah. I finished Death's Door uh, yes. over the weekend. Um Decided I, I really like that game. I think, I, as I alluded to earlier, mentioning the ascent, I, I think that game also suffers from uh, a lot of the critical reception was people having finished that game in which you have full uh, use of the mechanics and the magic and the world. And and the, I think that game really uh, feels really great once you've got, you know, the, the hook shot on like the game just opens up in a way that like the moment you waltz into an area, even if it's old, you realize yeah. like, oh, shit, I've got so many things I could be doing right now. And I just wish that happened so much sooner i really wish the hookshot had not been kept as a late game addition that I, I wish that had been like from the start like hey one of the things that you've got in this game is a hookshot um because it also incorporates incorporates into your combat and it doesn't have a cooldown mm. so you can hookshot onto an enemy and attack them as you're being forwarded to them it's just super cool once you get the like a magic upgrade like for the arrow it does damage over time. So it's like I'll be shooting dudes from across the, the room, letting them get hit by fire while I'm grappling over to another set of enemies. It's just great. That and sounds it makes great. The, yeah. Makes the world exploration so much more enjoyable. Um, and so I really recommend it if you're if you're kind of like me and Austin where you were sort of, I don't know, like felt bad that you didn't like it more. I really do think it opens up in, the, in that second half. Um, I ended up not doing – there's a whole end game after the ending to get a secret ending. Um that requires an enormous amount of busy work. I, I looked into what it was and it was like, hey, do you want to collect all the life seeds in the game? I was like, not really. Not um, really. So I just didn't do it. And I uh, I, I just looked up the, um, the ending, which uh, I don't want to say too much about. But if you end up not wanting to do the busy work. Even explaining why it's cool would be a sort of spoiler. Is there like an article explaining why it's cool? Probably. I'm sure if you, Uh, you know, one of the first uh, Google results for like anything you look up for is like death door ending explained and there'll be there'll be a video. Um, You might need that to get the explanation for why it's interesting, Austin. But it is it is it is really cool. I'm really glad that I watched it, but I'm also not upset that I didn't go down the path I, actually i'm so like, mad that there is that that is the model that the ble- here's what i'm actually gonna say the there is a vanity fair article called the green knights ending explained uh-huh. and it's not an explainer it's an interview with the director about various choices that he made in the film that are fascinating and really interesting but not, it's not an explainer i mean it's, it does uh, it, it, it will explain a lot it will and it is set up in the like faq like so what is the ending trying to say uh you know uh why should we why should we make uh all what should we make of all the color in the film what's with the fox etc and like 
it does form it that way, but it's filled with direct quotes from the director uh, that are fascinating and really great. And it's and it's upsetting that you have to market that article as the Green Knight's ending explained instead of yep anything else, you know. But but uh, but if you're gonna do an explainer like that, the, like hey, th- th- it's a good one. People sh- people who saw that movie should go read that article. It's great. Anyway, um, oh. have a good vacation. Yeah, Rob. Uh, other things coming up too. Uh, finally, the Michael Mann project begins. So I think this week we are going to be recording a show on Michael Mann's Thief. Wow. We're going to get Alex <laughs> Navarro, who signed up for this, I think, two years ago when he and I first discussed it uh, while waiting for a segment to start uh, for uh, Save Point. Um, and we'll have Dia uh, with us as well to talk about uh, Michael Mann's first feature film. Uh, starring James Caan and uh, Tuesday Weld, uh, Thief. It's really Rob good. Wa- I Rob think it's on no time right for me leaving. It did you be like? And by the way, also we're announcing Michael Mann Week. <laughs> <laughs> the I just want to say that like calling it the Michael Mann Project makes it sound like a prog rock like <laughs> super group. <laughs> Which okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Everyone bring your instrument to the podcast, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Well, live score thief. My instrument um, is critical analysis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true enough. We'll also be doing Wildermyth uh, today on Tuesday uh, for Tactical Tuesdays. And we're trying to get some some hell at loose in sometime this week, maybe, hopefully, maybe next. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You guys want to um, see us die in trenches for hours? Oh, I can't wait. Can't honestly can't wait for people to see us. It's gonna be really dynamic. Up to. Yeah. Like just <laughs> just like Kato, like just lying in tall grass. Yeah. And like uh, just yeah, it'll be great. <sighs> All right. On that note, we'll be back later this week. Uh, uh, look forward to it. I'll see you on on Friday. We'll see you on any of these streams. As always, you can support us by going to waypointplus.com. Follow us twitter.com slash waypoint, uh, twitch.tv slash waypoint YouTube dot com slash waypoint vice follow me on twitter at austin underscore walker you can follow kato at a underscore kato underscore appears rob at rob zachney uh patrick on vacation yep at patrick uh and uh as always shout out to bowen for letting us use the track miss you off the ep pale machine find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash b-o-e-n until later this week and actually beyond that too fuck capitalism go home peace deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.